Live from the Fish Tank, it is your host Ronnie with a special surprise episode. Um, I originally had planned on doing uh, hockey prospect ranks at a later date, but well, I mean, they're kind of done and I figured why bother sitting on them. I can just go ahead and uh, record now and uh, drop it on you guys as a surprise. So let's get right into it. Um, have all 10 teams ranked. They're, for the most part, ranked by the score given to them based on the average score of their top 10 prospects. I expanded to top 10 this time because, by and large, most teams have deeper systems than we did this time last year. Um, the only exception being the 9 and 10 spots. The 10 spot technically has a higher average than the number 9 spot, but the number 9 spot has a lot more prospects, and based on depth, the, the difference in the ranking is minuscule, and I'll, I'll go, I'll benefit the team here with, uh, with more depth, as we will see shortly. Um, the grading scale, um, it's a, a 10 to 1 scale. I only did whole numbers for definitions, but there are half number grades in there if, if I feel a player is kind of in the middle of, of the definition here. So a a score of 10 I have is like a stud, can't miss, elite prospect. This is like your your Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews type prospect that's coming out of the draft. Uh, Unsurprisingly, there are no 10s in this grouping. Uh, Scale of 9 is really high-end prospect, but just like not quite elite. These are like the obviously not quite up to McDavid levels. But this would be kind of like a, a Jack Hughes-type prospect coming out of the draft. And perhaps, erroneously, I don't have any 9s in this group either. I do have a few 8-5s, but I just didn't have anyone who I had um, enough enough love for to quite put in a 9. And for example, like a 9 would be like, you know, like a, a no-doubt-about-it all-star easily on, on a team's top line or top hair. Number 8 are going to be uh, like regular old like top line or top pair players regular old is sounds a bit dismissive but for like players who are really good obviously enough to be on the top line or top pair but they're not like the guy on those lines if that makes sense a seven will be a second line or pair player a six is a third line or pair player a five is a fourth line player slash like a role player someone who maybe doesn't play uh every every night uh, four I have as likely to never make an impact, but maybe. So those are for, like, I don't really see this guy making it in the NHL, but if, like, everything goes right for him, you know, he could perhaps be slightly relevant. Number three I'm going to have for a career minor leaguer, which is for guys I just don't really have see a, a path to them, even if things go right. Uh, number two is not even a good minor leaguer. Um, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. And then... A, the bottom on the scale, a one is, and I quote my definition, Barry, why do you have this guy? Admittedly, Barry does not have any ones. There are no ones. There are no twos. I believe the lowest I gave out was like a two and a half. So like a, 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 a mediocre minor leaguer, essentially. Um, another note here is a center with an equivalent talent level to a winger or a defenseman will usually get about a, a 0.5 boost or so. So even if, like, let's say we have, like, a, a, a third liner, that'll be a, a six on my scale. If you have, like, a, a third liner who is 
like pretty much going to be a center at the next level. Very little concern about his ability to to play center at the NHL level. Probably be about a 6.5, just because centers have a bit of a premium on them, and I want to try to reflect that. And goalies, I didn't necessarily make any uh, marks in my definition for the goalie premium, but I, I did try to, to factor that in on my ranking as well. So, like, starting goalie would be like an 8. Um, maybe more like a tandem goalie would be like a 7.5. And, and then if you're like a, a really good starter, maybe like an 8.5 or so. And then obviously for like the, the, the backups or the guys who maybe a bit more of long shots, going to be a little farther down there. All right. So that being said, uh, let's get into this. And I guess, well, maybe not right into this because one more clarification here. Um, this is only for players eligible to be in our minor league system. So there are players on this list who are not technically prospects by NHL definition because they've quote-unquote graduated, but they haven't quite um, hit their point where they have to be called up yet. And... Uh, there are players who maybe could still be defined as a prospect but have been called up and have been up for, or basically are uneligible to be sent down in our league. Those players are not included. So our number 10 spot is yours truly. Um, between graduating and uh, some trades, uh, the walleye have gone from wor- or first to worst. Um, I'll actually... I didn't prepare this, but I will pull up my rankings from last year and compare. So last year, my top five average, I had like an 8.4. And my top 10 average this year is a 6.25. However, I do only have four players. So that is why I do put myself below the nine, even though my average, I guess, technically is above um, the nine spot. But... Only four players, that's pretty weak, especially when none of them are particularly strong. Um, top player on my list for my team is Jonathan Bergen of Detroit, a uh, grade of a 6.5, so kind of like middle between like a, a third and a second liner. Uh, he's done pretty well at the AHL level. He's done pretty well over in Sweden too. Pretty much everywhere he's gone, he's kind of exceeded expectations, would probably go higher than he did in the real-life draft. If you were to redraft 2018, he was a second-rounder. Probably would easily be like a, a late teens, early 20s guy in a redraft. Pretty decent skill. Skates really well. Uh, kind of spit too much on the perimeter, but he could end up being a, a decent second liner if things go well, but most likely probably a, a third liner who can play maybe a little bit on the power play. Eustace uh, Anunen, um, a goalie for Colorado. My goalie pick from the most recent draft. Uh, the, the results haven't exactly been great for him. Uh, in the uh, recent years. Admittedly, I didn't exactly look too far into him. I just knew he was decently uh, regarded as a goalie prospect before the draft. Probably should have done a little more research. I could have maybe gone a different route with my goalie pick. However, I mean, he's in Colorado's organization. Colorado doesn't exactly have a, a starter, starting quality goalie, like for the long term. They have uh, Georgiev and... Uh, Franzos, both of whom are very good, but I would probably classify them more as like the weaker goalie in like a, a tandem, more like a 1B. So p- potentially, if Anunin can can kind of get things together in the AHL, there's not exactly a whole lot blocking him from being, being a goalie in Colorado, and 
that would be a heck of a situation to be a just a if he can be even a fine goalie on a good team in Colorado. We saw what happened with Philip Grubauer when he went from Colorado to Seattle. So that's kind of the, the idea there. Got uh, Kiefer Bellows here. Now I have him as a six third liner. Uh, the skating not very good. Uh, really, the only thing about his game uh, would be the the shot here. That's the main selling point for our league. He's got a hell of a shot, and if things break well for him, uh, he could potentially be a guy who plays on a third line, gets some sheltered five on five minutes, but ends up on a power play. And could he score twenty? Maybe. That could potentially make him like a bottom of the roster player for for our league, but there, there's there's still a little something there, perhaps. Uh, and lastly, Sasha Pastajov. Uh, the uh, the skating not great. Doesn't exactly p- play with the the greatest of pace, and that'll be a phrase I'm going to use a lot in this. Uh, by plays with pace, I don't necessarily mean like moving quickly, uh, skating wise, but like the difference in how quick the game is at the NHL level compared to lower levels. Like players are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. The puck moves a little quicker, and can you your hands and your brain keep up when everybody around you is playing faster? Um, but he has a pretty good shot, and no matter where he's gone, he's still produced. Like the effort maybe doesn't look good uh, from a scout's perspective every single game, but he just kind of finds his way onto the score sheet anyways. So let's see about that. I also have him at a six. Before we go any further, I probably should uh, clarify that this is more of a... Uh, I'm getting a lot of this info from, I'll to be completely transparent, Corey Promen, a uh, writer for The Athletic, which I subscribe to. Uh, he recently just dropped his pipeline uh, rankings for each individual NHL team, and he is a writer who I trust the most with how he uh, evaluates and conveys information on each prospect. So kind of use that as like a basis, and I try to kind of add my own takes on some of the ones I feel more confident in and how I feel about them and I try to consider the the context of our league too so you know making sure I'm I'm trying to properly value the categories that we have compared to just general overall play which is obviously a, a different a whole different animal than than playing fantasy hockey so Moving on to team number nine. Number nine is Chris. His top 10 average is a 6.15, so a, a tenth of a point below below me, but he does have a, a much better system, or much deeper system, I should say, than myself. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll do that at the end. Never mind. You'll, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about here. Um, his top guy, Seth Jarvis, I gave that a grade of an eight. Uh, top liner, uh, kid looks like a star. He, his game is kind of probably best described as like all gas, no brakes. Skates fast, plays hard, all all energy. But he 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 has a good skill too, and that's why he's he's this high because he had his rookie year last year, produced a whole lot more than a lot of people would have expected. Uh, and it's he can produce from the perimeter. He can get to the home plate area. He anywhere on the ice, Seth Jarvis is confident and able to go there and produce. He's just. Looks like a really, really good winger at the moment. And I would be very happy to have him in my system if I if I did. But I don't. Uh, coming up with a 7.5. Next up on Chris's system is Yaroslav Askarov. Um, this is a guy who probably should be a starting goalie. If he would have done this a year or two ago, he'd probably be like an 8.5 even. Because for the last... Well, I spent tonight too, but the last like five, ten years, like you can make a case that Askarov was the... 
the, the top goalie prospect at the time of his draft. I would probably put him up there with the aforementioned Knight. I, I don't think Jesper Wallstep quite reaches that, that level, but since his draft, Askarov has maybe not um, improved as much as people have hoped. Uh, he always had good numbers in Russia, but whenever he would go to the World Juniors, it almost just seemed like the stage was too bright for him or just ran into some bad luck at the wrong time on a big stage. Because, like, his World Juniors numbers were never particularly good. And he always kind of wondered, like, really? Like, here we are at World Juniors. This is, you know, the, the, the creme de la creme of a, a junior tournament in top goalie prospect here, and he's, like, consistently just underwhelming. But... He always looked pretty decent in Russia, so, you know, the, the goalies, they're voodoo, they're, they develop at their own pace, they march to the beat of their own drum. You don't, you don't try to pigeonhole them or, or try to put a definitive, like, <laughs> uh, expectation on them at, at that age, but he's, the Russia numbers this year, perhaps, I mean, not, not quite as good as, as you had hoped. Um, he's, in, about him as a prospect, though, he's in, incredibly athletic, perhaps can be a bit chaotic, though. And what I'm interested to see is he will be stateside this year. So he will not be in Russia. He will be with Nationals organization, most likely with Milwaukee in the AHL. And I'm really curious to see how that goes. Because I want this obviously is not a make or break year for him, but I think this year potentially could go a, a little little ways towards solidifying what maybe the expectations should be going forward. Next up on Chris's system, I have Scott Perinovich. Uh, pretty much an NHL player at this point now. Uh, looks probably at most like a second-pair offensive-minded defenseman. Could put up some points, could work the power play. Uh, the counting stats, from what I saw, weren't terribly great in the NHL, but he, he'll probably be rosterable for, for what we're talking about. Uh, next up, I have Scott Morrow, defenseman with Carolina. Uh, a pretty good shot with him. He's got skill to make plays. Perhaps Potentially could be a bit frustrating to watch at times. Uh, with decision-making, but he does skate well enough, and he should produce from the blue line as well, perhaps not as, as much as Prunovich, but he's, he's got tools to to be relevant. Uh, Tidal Andrea, also a 6.5 uh, Dallas player. This is, you know, one of, one of Chris's stars here, the, the Dallas stars, not star as in how good he is, because if he was a star, he wouldn't be a 6.5. Uh, he has some NHL experience already. This will be the last year that Chris can keep him down before he has to decide on him, by the way. The offense just hasn't quite come yet. He does have a pretty good shot. Potentially the, the, the IQ in the hockey sense isn't, uh, isn't the greatest, but he does have an NHL tool, toolkit, skill set. He does have a good frame, but he probably tops out at a, a, a three center at this point. Um, below him is Owen Pickering, good defender. Uh, the offense needs to improve, though, to be relevant for us. And with defensemen, it's not always easy to uh, to gauge how how many hits and how many shots they'll block and and all this because like that kind of data just doesn't really track. So you kind of have to just gauge by how how physical uh, scouts seem to think they are in reports. So that would be his his path there. And Pickering is a six. Also a six is Zachary Larue. Uh, pretty pretty okay. Uh, end to his his junior career he's got skill he's got a whole lot of grit potentially a bit too much he kind of plays on the line and can kind of cross the line a little bit with with his physicality so he's probably gonna end up as a third liner but if he's gonna hit and if he can have enough skill to kind of you know put up a few points here or there i could see larue being a uh a relevant role player for our league the uh, the skating might have to improve a bit for that to happen though at a five here i have Braden tracy Anaheim, he's got skills to make plays, 
Uh, kind of ended his junior career on a bit of a, a lackluster note, but he did potentially show a bit more in his rookie pro season than previously expected based on said lackluster finish to his junior career. Uh, consistency is going to be an issue with him. Uh, also out of five here, I have Joel Kibiranta. Uh, he's he's played in the NHL now. He's just not really relevant. He just doesn't really do anything. He, he throws a, a hit here or there, but he just, just doesn't quite have the all-around skill set or the uh, the minutes to, to do anything to make him relevant for us. Uh, out of four, I have Samu Tuamala. Uh, he's got some skills, but the, the end product isn't there yet. He, the, the offensive numbers for someone who's supposed to be a bit more of an offensive defenseman haven't quite uh, popped yet, and you know, perhaps that's, I don't say necessarily cause for concern, but I mean, kind of. Uh, the consistency uh, with the offense needs to be there, and potentially to get a little more towards the the middle of the ice, the more dangerous areas uh, to to get some of that end product. Uh, the last one on here is one of the aforementioned 2.5s, uh, and this will be the grade for Stelio Mateos. Uh, and my blurb on him is, why? All right, uh, moving on to the eighth team with a top 10 average of a 6.65, and that is going to be Kevin. Now, I know Kevin said he had listened to our draft recap and noted that we were uh well me i guess alex did it with me but i mean i was it was kind of my my thing that i tried to put together and, and alex thankfully was able to to do some some research of his own to have his own opinions as well to to give me a, a foil to my uh, potentially bad opinions but unfortunately for kevin it's not going to be much better because ultimately the system that he inherited uh, wasn't particularly great, um, but I think there are some some players here though, and and we will start up at the top with a seven point five with uh, Matthew Savoy. I know this is a kid who skates really well, competes really hard. Pretty much everything he does is really well. Um, he the one downside there, and this will be something that a few of Kevin's picks uh, have in common. A, a, a bit small, only five nine. Not saying that you can't be successful at that height, but it is admittedly a little harder. You have to have um, at least one or two like pretty good traits to to kind of compensate for that. But I I don't really see that being much of an obstacle for him. He'll he will produce offensively, and I could see him being a uh, a really good asset on a power play, uh, definitely helping uh, in DSAC in that regard. Uh, pick from this year in Buffalo, uh, just. A player I would have admittedly been okay with had Detroit taken him. He wasn't my first pick of one who was available at Detroit's pick in real life. But I think he'll be a really good player. That's why I have a 7.5, kind of in the middle between second and first line. Uh, next up is Philip Broberg, defenseman on Edmonton. He has a, a grade of a 7 for me. He's played in the NHL a little bit. He has that experience. That's always good to see for, for these ranks because it, it can be kind of hard to project to an NHL level when they player has not played at the NHL level because sometimes it just doesn't click so if you've actually played and, and hung around for a bit that's you know at, at least gives more confidence in an evaluation the skating with Broberg is really really good he he definitely moves around the ice very well uh that's gonna be his main calling card and he does move the puck well but it's the offense that needs to be just a little better and hopefully with more time and more experience and more ice time 
uh, that offense can pop a little more, and he'll be a, a pretty good player with seven being a, a second pair defenseman. Uh, next up here is another seven for uh, Kevin's rankings here. It'll be Thomas Bordalo in San Jose. He'll be a player who I think is going to be a center. So he definitely has that little bit of a center premium boost. Uh, American uh, skates really well, passes the puck really well. Definitely more of a playmaker than a shooter. Uh, potentially Im- improving that shot will be key for him going forward because I think people have started to kind of key in on the, lack- on the fact that he can't really shoot that great. And he's more of a pass-first guy, and you can kind of prepare for that. So if he can get the shot better and force people to respect it, that'll open up his passing a whole lot more. And one of the big things, or one of the big reasons, rather, I think he'll be a center is his World Juniors performance uh, these last couple of weeks. He was absolutely money in the dot for Team USA. Every important draw, he was out there taking it, and he won more than he lost. And what I found interesting, too, and this is, I mean, it's not like it's groundbreaking technique, but he was taking faceoffs uh, both left and right-handed. So essentially, depending on the situation, he would flip the stick around in his hand to give him more leverage and a better shot of winning the draw, I think. And it's not exactly something you see everybody do. Not all not all people who take faceoffs have that confidence and the ability to, to kind of go both ways like that. And that was something that kind of stood out to me. And faceoff wins can be key for Dizak, and I think that'll be a, a good attribute for Bordalo for our league. Uh, next up is William Dufour, uh, Islanders prospect. I gave him a 6.5. Uh, admittedly, if we would have done this you know, a few months ago, uh, Dufour would not be this high. But no matter where he goes, he just produces. He's, he's really risen up a whole lot of lists uh, in the last few months. Won the uh, MVP of the Memorial Cup, was MVP of the QMJHL. Uh, had a really good showing in the World Juniors with Team Canada, not in a... A, a a highlight role, but in a in a, a good solid contributing role, uh, the the shot is the calling card here. He just <laughs> the the puck comes off his stick with good velocity. Uh, it's the skating is going to need to improve perhaps a little bit. I mean it's it's fine at the NHL level, but it's perhaps slightly a bit below average at the moment where it projects. So he's got to get a little a little quicker or at least a little little more agile. But he does have. Uh, pretty good size with the strength and he does have a really good hockey sense and that alone can mitigate skating issues like I'm not gonna say he's Brett Hall but Brett Hall wasn't exactly a burner and Brett Hall scored 700 goals um, by knowing where to be and when to be there so if Dufour can maybe not uh, beat defenders wide or, or, or beat them in a straight line race if he can without the puck go to the right areas at the right time to be able to utilize that shot most effectively, he could be a, a really good player. Uh, also, as a 6.5, there's going to be a lot of 6.5s here on, on Kevin's team for what it's worth. I'm going to have Victor Soderstrom, uh, a guy who's fallen a bit in recent years, drafted a few years ago. I want to say 2018 or 19. I want to say maybe 2018. Could be wrong on that, but offensive-minded D. He moves really well. Skates incredibly well he's not exactly a fast skater but skating fast does not necessarily equal skating well uh see that i forget the character's name but the one kid in the mighty ducks who skates really well but can't stop worth a shit and they try to have him uh learn hockey stops in front of uh big pyramids of soda cans or geez i'm come on ronnie you're from michigan pop so does the wrong fucking word loser um but he does have a really good sense for making plays, Soderstrom does. Um, 
is another guy who probably needs the offense to kind of pop a little more to get to where he was expected to be on draft day. That hasn't quite come yet, but uh, I think there's definitely that within his game. Uh, next up is going to be Nolan Foote in New Jersey. Uh, the skating, perhaps not the greatest with him, but what Nolan Foote does have is he's big and he has a pretty powerful shot. And if you're going to be a winger in DSAC and you're not really going to have that dynamic skill, you know, Patrick Kane or Tommy Panarin, obviously those are lofty expectations. Um, but if you're not going to have, have like the, the puck skills or the electric skating in hands, um, be big and have a good shot. <laughs> um, that'll be really helpful for, for our league. Uh, next up is Drew Hellison over in Anaheim now. Uh, He's a guy who's probably going to be better in real life than in Dynasty, uh, for, for fantasy, rather. The, um, he, he defends really well, but there's not really you can't really quantify defending well in our league. I mean, you have hits and block shots, but if you have a guy who throws a lot of hits and blocks a lot of shots, that means they probably don't have the puck a whole lot. And if they don't have the puck a whole lot, the other team has the puck a lot. And if the other team has the puck a lot, you're probably not very good at defending. Um, and that's pretty reductive and pretty like basic but generally speaking those trends tend to be related so the offense isn't really there with him and if he's not gonna hit or block shots he's not really gonna be be super relevant for us next up is Caden Gooley another guy who I have as a 6.5 uh, the offense definitely won't be there for Caden Gooley um, but what I th- do think that he does have over Hellison is the physicality uh, he's gonna compete like hell and he's gonna lay the body a lot and I think he could be a really nice grit guy in a way that Hellison Perhaps won't be, but I think Hellison has a bit more chance to be um, a better point producer than Gooley. So just trying to trying to balance offense versus grit there. But I have them both generally the same area for different reasons. And the last of the 6.5s, Brendan Brisson, uh, kid of NHL super agent Pat Brisson. It's not relevant, but it's a fun fact. Uh, what, he, what he has for going for him is the skill and the hockey sense. The shot too, I should say. All those are, are are pretty good. His issues are perhaps on the bit on the the smaller side, and the skating isn't uh, explosive. But kind of as I said with Dufour, it's it's about knowing where to be and when to be there. Um, his game, Brisson's game, is a bit more dependent on having the puck, though, and it's kind of hard to to find to get to your spot um, with the puck than it is without it. With the way the defense is is keying in on the puck. But he does have have the skill to make some plays there and to get, to get a shot off. So the power play potentially could be a uh, a good avenue for him to make make his hay. Uh, next up in the run of we got three sixes here. Uh, Zachary Jones of the Rangers, pretty good season in the American Hockey League. Uh, he's a guy who moves the puck very well, skates well, pretty mobile defenseman. Uh, another guy with the offense though, maybe not all that not that great, and the physicality is a bit lighter too. So he's kind of like. Drew Hellison in a way, but I feel a little more confident about Hellison at this point. But perhaps on looking back on this, maybe maybe Jones should be up in a six point five, or maybe Hellison should be down to a six. But they're they're you know they, they kind of have the same uh, same same flaws holding them back. Uh, next up at a six is gonna be Bobby Brink, and this is one that I I don't I I feel like this is sounds a bit reductive for a player with Brink's resume. Because he kind of started on Denver. You know, they just won the national championship this year. He quite literally led the NCAA in scoring. He's got a great sense for the game. But another guy where he's 
small. I think he's only like 5'8", uh, and he doesn't skate very well. <laughs> he's got some issues with his stride, and when you don't have the the dynamic skill or the uh, like the, the heavy shot, you know those those attributes that you can use to to uh, mitigate your your skating issues and your size issues, but fighting a bit of an uphill battle. But he's just for those those reasons I mentioned with the uh, the the resume he has with where he's ever he's been he's done well. Like there's this reason for me to believe a little bit. I I feel like he's a guy who can overcome it. But you gotta you gotta be a little more measured in in your uh, evaluation from I feel like. Next up is Isak Rosen. Uh, really good shot. Plays plays the game with pace, which is going to be key at the NHL level. Not exactly a physical winger, but he can score from range and probably shape him up to be a uh, excuse me a, a third liner there. Um, now we're going to run into a string of five point fives, and this is going to be where two of uh, of Kevin's recent picks come in, in David Goyette and Jordan Dumay. Uh, Kevin even admitted, you know, he's kind of looking for hoping for uh, some lightning in a bottle here, trying to find a Patrick Kane-type skill set. Uh, we're going with these, these admittedly young. Now, Dume, I believe in particular, he, he called out, he is young, and that is a, uh, a, a benefit to him. He's got more, more runway to develop. But we'll start with Goyette, because he was the guy I just happened to have first. They're pretty interchangeable to me here. Goyette, it's, it's the effort that kind of needs a little more work. He shows, shows flashes, but it's not consistent. Um, he has pretty good skill, but once again, as I said, he's kind of small, and it's the it's the lack of of a great trait that kind of holds him back. Why I have him is kind of like just below a uh, a third line grade. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be like a fourth liner because fourth liners tend to be role players. But I'm trying to say he's, you know, the, the odds of him being a third liner I would have a little under fifty fifty essentially. Uh, but he does have a pretty good sense of the game. It's just a matter of can he put together a more consistent effort and actually start to put up some points. At a, uh, at, a, at a pro level when he gets there. And then with Dume, similar thing, but on the smaller side. He's not fast, but he's quick. Uh, pretty good skill again with him. He's more of a passer than a shooter, but he does compete well, and he does have a decent shot. He just could stand to use it a little more, and he was definitely young for his draft, as I mentioned earlier. Also at a 5.5 is Yuso of Alamaki. He's a guy who has... Played in the NHL for multiple years now. He's not played a full season, but he's played parts of like three seasons now. But he just can't quite solidify a role. Like he skates well, he competes well. The offense just hasn't quite reached expectations yet, and that's going to hold him back from being like an, an everyday, you know, like third pair guy with power play potential. And he needs to show a little more uh, consistency there, and he could be bumped up to like a, a, a six or so. Uh, down here at a five, I have Lucas Perrick. Uh, decent, decent frame for him. He's a pretty decent sized goalie. Uh, played well in the ECHL, so like maybe, but you know, goalies are not always easy, easy here. But and uh, below him at a four point five is Patrick Hammerla from Carolina, also a goalie. I uh, honestly don't really know much about him, and I I tried looking at uh, available rankings I could find for Carolina's system, and not much, if anything, was out there about him. So he was a third round pick in real life. So another guy, another, it's a goalie, you know, who, who knows? So maybe, but I'm not exactly optimistic considering that people don't seem to be particularly high on him at this point. All right, and then after Kevin in the seventh spot here, we're going to have Alex with an average uh, score of 6.85. Alex is going to be led by Dustin Wolf at a, a 7.5. 
He's a guy who should be a starting goalie in the NHL, but he is a bit small for a goalie. So it's going to probably hold him back being eight. He was a goalie of the year as a rookie in the American League, and that's really good to see. Uh, he's definitely poised in that. He's not exactly reactionary and chaotic. Uh, and he is laterally quick when he needs to be, which is imperative for a goalie his size. If you're not going to cover up more space of the net, you have to be able to get to the spaces you can't cover quicker than a goalie who is bigger than you. So could be something there, but, you know, perhaps to, to hold back expectations a little bit with the size. So I'm going to have him at a 7.5. Uh, next up, we have five players who all come in around a 7, like second-line second quality potentially here. Uh, Matthew Knees, uh, Toronto. Should be a quality second-line left wing. Kind of does a little bit of everything. Maybe like a, a diet Zach Hyman. He's physical and has a enough touch on the offensive end to be a good complementary player. Uh, had a really, really amount of hype coming out of him with uh, out of college uh, with the Toronto media, but the Toronto media machine can hype up a broomstick if they want. Um, he did disappoint at World Juniors. The U.S. team as a whole, outside of a, 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 a shockingly dominant performance over Sweden for about... 50 minutes of the game until Sweden was able to be opportunistic with the man advantage and made it a, a one-goal game by the end. But the U.S., for the most part, uh, imposed their, their will physically on Sweden. And outside of that, you know, knees didn't really uh, show a whole lot. That's kind of... It's August hockey. Like, you, the World Juniors can usually give you some information about players, but this this one in particular was... You, don't, you want to judge players off of it much less than you would like a, a normal winter midseason tournament. But he, he definitely did not have his best showing, unfortunately. Also, at a 7, I'm going to have Roni Hervonen. And this one is... Uh, not, nope, that's the wrong Toronto player. Never mind. He, uh, Hervonen is a center, so he's going to get a little bit of a boost there. Pretend, maybe not quite the, the offensive talent that Knees is, but he plays a center, so he's going to get up at the same level as Knees. Uh, does a little bit of everything, competes hard. Uh, should be a very well-rounded player, but once again, a guy, another guy who doesn't really have a potential, uh, a skill set that like you know, like flashes. I should say, no particular uh, attribute that's you know better than like above average. Uh, also, Lucas Cormier, uh, Vegas defenseman. He's a guy who skates really well and has a hell of a shot. Two-time def- uh, QMJHL defenseman of the year, I believe. Uh, another one potentially on the smaller side, but. I mean, he's, he's got the track record. The The points in the power play usage should be in his future. Although, when I hear about a guy who has you know, a decent shot, moves the puck well, uh, QMJHL track record, uh, I don't believe Cormier was a first-round pick. Um, when I hear that whole package, as a Wings fan, I tend to think about um, Xavier Ouellette, and I don't like to think about Xavier Ouellette much. So we'll move on to the next player, who is Maverick Bork. Uh, has some center potential, but it seems like his most likely outcome will be on the wing to if he wants to to make the most of what his skills are. He does see the game very well. He has a pretty good skill level. He passes the puck very smartly. Should put up points. Uh, not, it's kind of the uh, the main overview of his game. The physical the physical attributes and the shot weren't very notable with him. On the last seven here is gonna be a goalie. So this a seven for a goalie is kind of like a a one B maybe more of a a, a good backup. Uh, Uko Pekka Lukonen. If this was a grade based on the name, oh, it's an eleven out of ten. 
Uko Pekalukunen, U K K O P E K K A L U U K K O N E N. There is three separate instances of a double K in his name. God bless Europeans, man. Um, he has some talent, perhaps maybe a bit behind uh, for, uh, fellow Sabres goalie prospects Devin Levi and uh, Eric Portillo. Uh, Levi, we'll get to here later on, much later on in this in this recap. Spoiler alert. Uh, he's got a pretty good frame. He's a little bit agile. Uh, the re- reaction time seems a bit slow, potentially, on some rebounds and some cross-crease passes. Uh, he, the results at the lower levels maybe haven't been as good as they hoped, but there is still a track record and a draft pedigree with him, enough to think that, you know, perhaps he's on like a, a bit of a longer development path than people thought. So still could be there. At 6.5, we're going to have Joel Blomquist, uh, perhaps more of a backup 1B type, kind of like UPL, but I'm going to have him a bit below UPL. Uh, Blomquist is a bit on the smaller side, uh, and but he is athletic, and he has good quickness and control of his body. And if you're going to be athletic and you're going to be try to be reactionary on your saves, having control of your body is imperative as a goalie. The league numbers are excellent, but he did not start for the World of Juniors this year in the summer tournament uh, and had some uh, not exactly the greatest track record of, of U-20 performances with the national team there. Uh, also here we have Topi Niemela with Toronto, another 6.5. Uh, incredible season for uh, a teenager his age in Liga. That is what, what he did in, in, that, in that league at that age is not uh, normal for a defenseman, <laughs> but he is very smart with the puck. Maybe not dynamic, but that's not necessarily an insult or a, a denigration. He's just... He moves the puck well, and he makes the right decision. It's just not always flashy. Um, offense probably won't totally translate. Like, what well, he could easily put up enough points, you know, playing on, like, a, a, a second-pairing uh, role there, or maybe even, like, a third-pairing role with more offensive zone starts where Niemela can see relevance for us. Also, at a 6.5, I'm going to have Connor Timmins. He's in Arizona now with part of the Kemper trade for Colorado. Uh, he has an injury history, and he missed some time. And he, beyond that injury last year, he also has separate head is- head injury issues, which are always uh, very scary at a, such a young age because those can derail a career really quickly. See Mark Savard and or Johan Franzen, both of whom uh, had to happen later in their careers. Um, but when Timmins is healthy and on the ice, he skates very well. He moves the puck very well. And he could very easily be a really good second-pairing defenseman who moves the puck. Uh, gets generates good offense, but the health issues are a, a big question mark here. Uh, if uh, he didn't have the health issues, he's probably a 7.5 or maybe even a 7 on uh, a conservative uh, assessment of his abilities. Also at a 6.5 was a player whom admittedly I like in Noel Gundler. He has a lot of talent and a lot of skill, but it's the consistency that kind of drives scouts and coaches mad. Uh, the effort isn't always there on a day-to-day basis, and this just translates to him not maybe producing as much as he should over the course of the year. He has a good shot, and like everything about him, his physical attributes and his his skills with the puck suggest he should be you know like potentially like a, a, a a good second liner in the NHL. But ultimately, if he can't lock in consistently, he won't get there. Um. Moving down, down to a, a run of sixes, uh, Sam Poulin with Pittsburgh as uh, the guy who's being held back by his skating. Uh, the offense needs to get better uh, at the pro level 
going to be relevant for us, but he does have the tools to do so with his with his, uh, his his stick skills. And if that does happen, he would have the the type of play style that would be effective on a power play. But he kind of needs to get to the middle of the ice more and not hang around the perimeter too too much. Um, Jan Mishek is next, a guy who could be a centerman, but the offensive upside is not that great. He does skate very well, and the effort is there. So if he's going to win enough faceoffs, and if he can chip in, you know, the the effort type of points, even at the skill type of points, then Mishak could be uh, very productive for for DSEC. Although, um, can't can't mention Jan Mishak without mentioning the infamous clip, or not clip, uh, a Twitter interaction where Craig Button got absolutely owned by a fan who asked um, if anyone knew if if. Craig Button, who was a former GM and is a, a scout now with, with TSN, I believe, one of the Cana- big Canadian networks, um, if he knew Meshack's cousin, Lick, you know, Lick Meshack, but it's the way it's spelled, it looks like Lick My Sack, um, and Button responded to him in earnest and said he had never heard, actually heard of him. Um, he got, he got, got pretty good there. Um, Oscar Olison of Colorado, also a 6 here. He's got skill. It's the, the pace of play with him that kind of concerns people if if he can kind of keep up with his brain and his hands at the the NHL level and can he produce enough from the perimeter or find ways to get more towards the dangerous areas of the ice tends to be a common commonality with these kind of sixes and 6.5s among the forwards if you if you don't have the dynamic skill to play at the perimeter and you don't have the ability or willingness to get to middle of the ice it's not a good combination uh, next up is gonna be Luke Evangelista here who's a six and maybe that's a bit harsh on him because I, I know I talked pretty good about him in the, the our draft recap. Um, had a huge offensive year in the O last year, and being in the O, uh, they did miss the 2020 season with COVID. The O did not play at all. Um, he's, he's a bit on the slider side. He's not terribly big. doesn't skate overly well, and he probably ends up as a third liner, but he has some good skill, and he has a pretty decent shot. So in hindsight, he should probably be a, a 6.5, but... It's not really gonna. One player in the bottom half of Alex's rankings are not gonna uh, change a whole lot here. Next up, the final two players are both gonna be uh, currently in Carolina system, and like Gundler, they both kind of happen to have the consist lack of consistency with the effort in the production. Uh, first up is Dominic Bach, who I have at a five, uh, and, and Bach is a player now who was drafted a few years ago by St. Louis. He has the skills to be a player who does produce. But it's the lack of effort, or not shouldn't say the lack of effort, but the effort not being consistent on a day-to-day basis that hurts him. And something to make note of that is a bit worrisome is he has bounced around teams a whole lot. Like usually when you're developing and you're in a, a minor league system, even if you're, you know, he played in the SHL, which is, you know, the, the Swedish Hockey League. It is a, the way the European style is, is a lot like soccer. So you hit each like parent club has like different junior teams of different age ranges. So you usually come up through the same program. But Bach has been, he's been in North America, he's been on a couple of teams in Sweden, he's been here, he's been there, he's been everywhere. It doesn't seem to stick around for more than one year, which is odd and usually not a good sign. Um, lastly is Anthony Honka, who is a 4.5, once again, Carolina, case of questionable effort. Uh, his defensive ability for a defenseman is um, not good. And if he's unable to, to tap into that effort and to make the most of his offensive skill, uh, if he doesn't produce enough, and he doesn't defend worth a damn, then he's not going to get on the ice. And that's just not not, <laughs> not good. Um, the sixth 
team here on the rankings is going to be Jared. And we are going to see the top 10 average of a 7.1. So we're finally crossing over into the, the group of teams where their best players, or yeah, the best players on average are about a second line. Talent, in my opinion, if, if things go well for them. Uh, Jared is going to be led by Simon Nemec uh, out of New Jersey. Defenseman taken second overall in real life this past draft. He's got a really good, strong sense for the game, and he can definitely run a power play from the blue line, which is going to be helpful. He's not exactly a, like a Quinn Hughes level uh, power play dynamo, but he does make good plays with pace in his his brain is his calling card here with, with the strong sense, as I mentioned. He just sees the ice very well, knows where the puck should go and when it should go there. So he's not going to like you know make a ton of highlight reel plays, but you're going to watch him play, and he's just going to make the smart play, and he's going to drive offense in, in that regard. Uh, at a 7.5 grade, I'm going to have Lucas Schreichel, uh, who's he and J.J. Paterka, two German players who came um, the year after Cider in 2020, who, with the German uh, development program, kind of started to look potentially promising. Those two were like the, the crowns post-Cider, and uh, they've both both flashed decently well here, and Reichel perhaps more so. And luckily, Paterka is also on Jared's team. That's very convenient, and I'd like to see the see that as like a the sentimental part of a fantasy. Reichel, though, looks like a very good winger. He's incredibly well-rounded. He's got good creativity and a great toolkit to make the most use of that. And I think he could end up being a, a pretty good second liner. That's why I'm going to have him like a, a 7.5 or so. Then we have a long string of sevens. Um, Thomas Harley, a defenseman with more offense than defense over in Dallas. Hey, maybe Chris should be interested in him with the Dallas connections. But he does move the puck really well, and Harley has played at the NHL level, which is, I, I've kind of I mentioned this a few teams ago, but if you've kind of proven you can hang at the NHL level, even in small stints as you develop, it's it, it makes me feel better about predicting how how you can develop. Uh, Jacob Pelletier in Calgary. Uh, he's going to be one of a few wingers here over the next few teams where he shoots the puck very well. Uh, he doesn't skate uh, great, but he does he does create offense and he makes good plays. But the it's the game is more characterized by the shot, maybe the the slight lack of skating, um, and it's is a shot that is both good, close in and far away. So you can definitely get to the middle of the ice um, better than some other players, and you can kind of you know clean up rebounds and and all that uh, good stuff, scoring the dirty goals. Uh, yeah, I mentioned John Jason Paterka. The other German, uh, very good shot. And he does play the game with a good pace, which helps. You know, playing over in Europe, a lot of these kids potentially get a chance to play against men, which is very helpful for their development as opposed to some of the North Americans who only play with fellow junior-aged kids. Uh, playing against men who maybe, even if they aren't as talented, but they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, and they force you to to adjust your game to, to play against that. And that's very good for development. Uh, get pretty good skill for creative playmaking for, for Paterka. Should be a second liner. And once again, kind of like Reichel, a very well-rounded game. Uh, Matthew Coronado, American. Uh, actually had a decent role of juniors here a couple weeks ago. He's a guy with a, a really good shot, but he also has good skating, which doesn't always happen with, with some of these wingers. But he's got a good sense about him, good hands. Should be a pretty good player. Nathan Gaucher uh, in Anaheim, who also has a seven, picked in this most recent draft. He is a center who is incredibly well-rounded. He will hit, he will produce offense, and he competes really well and goes to the hard areas. 
It's just a matter of not really being like overly skilled in dynamic. He just he'll put up points, but it won't be like gaudy point totals. So I, I think he's gonna be like a, a good third liner, maybe a, a, an okay second liner. But it's the center uh, ability there that kind of bumps him up to a seven. Uh, Yuri Kulik, uh, good skills in skating. Uh, the shot, once again, kind of is his best attribute here. There's a lot of good shooters on on Jared's system. If you're a good shooter, you're going to score goals, and goals are important for our league. And go, uh, Kulik, rather, uh, as a, a good compete, and he's definitely willing to crash the net. So he's not just a guy who's going to hang on the perimeter, try to shoot pucks off the one-timer, or uh, try to, to get out to a, a spot while carrying the puck and let go of a wrist shot. But he's able to go to the crash the net, tip home pucks, grab rebounds, score ugly, in addition to scoring pretty. Um, Zachary Bolduck, stop me if you've heard this before, he's a hell of a shot. It's a trend there with Jared's team. Uh, he scored a lot in juniors, too, and he's a guy who plays the game with good pace and good skill. But unlike Kulik, he doesn't get to the middle of the ice as much as you'd like. So the shot's better than Kulik's is but it's the lack of getting to middle of the ice that kind of balance that out and keep them around the same grade. Dylan Holloway, I'm going to have it a 6.5. That's mainly because he is a center winger debate. He was drafted as a center, but in Edmonton, you have um, some pretty good centers there already. Uh, so if you're going to play up in the lineup, you're going to have to play on a wing. So that's an issue with Holloway potentially. But he does it a lot well. He doesn't do anything great. Kind of jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type. So... He's like a, a third-line talent with at center. Potentially, if the offense pops a little bit, he could be a second-line talent on the wing. So he's kind of in the middle there. Also have Rucker McGrody as a 6.5. Another kid with a heck of a shot, and he competes really well. There's a few Americans throughout the last few years that kind of can all have that same mentality there with the, the, the competitiveness and the shooting. Uh, has the skill to be a second-line winger, but he's uh, skating. Um, <laughs> Not great. Uh, pretty pretty good competitor, as I mentioned, and the, the leadership too, but, you know, it's not really tangible for, for DSEC. Liam Bischel is here as well at a 6.5. He's got the offense isn't great, but he moves well for his size, and he could be a good hits and blocks guy potentially, especially if he's more of a defensive defenseman. Um, I don't want to say this This is potentially a, a bad comparison for how well this, the, the player I'm going to compare him to has popped off, but playing at that age in a men's league in a limited role in the offense a bit lacking, but he moves well for his size and is pretty sized, um, that you can see very, very vague comparisons and uh, similarities to Moritz Sider. I don't think he's Moritz Sider. I'm not going to say he's going to be a Norris Trophy winner or Norris Trophy candidate potentially in the future and a Calder Trophy winner for sure. Um, but... You know, if if the, the men's league aspect is kind of holding him back a little bit because he just doesn't have the trust and the ice time and the leeway to go out and show his game, maybe you see the – pretty much what I'm trying to say is there could be logic behind the offense being better than it is shown to be. And if that could be the case, I could see him as like a 7, maybe 7.5 on the high end, but that could be um, optimistic though. No, Ostland here, uh, center with uh, power play abilities – the shot is admittedly kind of weak. Um, not many players on on all these lists here where the, the shot is notably weak, but he does have good skill, and he does have the smarts to make passes, but 
bit of one-dimensional there of the offensive game, and that's going to hurt him a little bit. But he is a center, so he will intrinsically and inherently have some value. Uh, next up is Tyler Boucher. This was a pick, I believe, Paolo made this pick before Jared Foley took over. And uh, yikes, it's a 6.5, but he was taken 10th overall in real life, and people clowned Ottawa really hard for it at the time, and it has aged poorly, as everyone could have expected. The skating is not good. He doesn't think the game very well. He does have a little bit of skill, but when you don't think the game well, you can't use it fully. But his he hits a lot. He likes to hit. <laughs> um, so I, don't know, I guess he'll have some value there. Um, Lassie Thompson here at a six. Does a little bit of everything. Has a pretty hard shot. The offense isn't exactly great with him, but he should find a role somewhere in the NHL. But I'm not exactly seeing a huge uh, DSAC skill set here. And lastly is Akil Thomas, who's down at a 5.5. Maybe that's a bit harsh. Maybe that should also be a 6, I guess, in hindsight. But he just he hasn't produced his hope, and, has done it, and it's happened in the Ontario Hockey League. That's in juniors. And if you're not producing in juniors already, and you're not meeting expectations, that's not a, a great sign. It's not a death sentence by any means. But what Thomas does do is he competes really hard. He plays in all situations, power play, 5-on-5, five five, penalty kill. Uh, and if the offense can kind of bounce back here when, you, when he's turning pro... Uh, that could bump up to like a 6.5 or so, but ultimately the offense has to pop, and if he's not doing it at the junior level, he's skating uphill a little bit with that. Moving on now to the fifth team on my list here. We're about halfway in, and I'm already like 50 minutes talking. This is going to be a long one, folks. I hope you enjoy hockey prospects. So that'll cut about half half of you. <laughs> um, with Nathan, his top end player here is Dylan Cousins, who is in his final year before he has to decide on him, and Nathan, if you're listening, call him up uh, at the end of your deadline here. <laughs> Please. Cousins is real good. He is everything you want from a center who isn't at like that elite level, but he's big, he skates really well, he competes really hard, and he's got good skill and a pretty hard shot to put up points. I mean, his nickname is the Workhorse from Warhorse, uh, notably the first player from the U. I believe it's the Yukon Territory. That was kind of a big deal when he got drafted. Um... But yeah, I understand that that uh, description kind of sounds like, oh, it sounds like he's higher than an 8, but just because it's all all pretty good, it's not maybe not great. But Buffalo has been a, a, a weird situation now for a long time. So perhaps if things can change there a little bit, maybe Cousins can kind of develop even further. Um, at a, We have three 7.5s here, including two uh, recent draftees. I'm going to go Cutter Gauthier at the top of that list here. Uh, NHL frame that you can project on. He's got a great shot, really great shot. He's a goal scorer. Uh, he's got a very strong compete level, like a lot of the recent American draftees at the top of the draft. Uh, he does have enough skill, though, and he does have a pretty good sense to produce. He's a guy who could be a center in the NHL, and I tend to think he can be. And if that is for sure, I think he could potentially be on the level of an 8. Um, but if Cousins is an 8, I, I, I like Gauthier but I don't think he's still in Cousins. So, yeah. And the one drawback, I guess, with Cousins' performance at the moment is he did tend to feast a little bit on the uh, the USHL teams with being in the development program. And for those that don't know, the US NCDP National Team Development Program, their schedule consists of USHL and NCAA competition. Uh, the USHL opponents are around the same age. They're kind of junior-aged. In the, the late teens, maybe even as high as 20, whereas the NCAA players, depending on the school, a lot of NCAA teams can have kids in the low to even mid-20s, like 
when I was at Ferris State, a lot of their hockey players could have been like, you know, 23, 24 years old, still in college. And that, that kind of goes because they'll play a couple of years in the USHL and then go to school. So they're enrolling at like age 19 or 20. And when you have those extra few years, they're going to be bigger, they're going to be stronger, and they're going to be harder to play against. And the USHL kids are usually smaller, maybe a little more skilled in some aspects, but they're not as hard to play against. And if you have the size as Goche does and you kind of feast on that and you don't really show up as much against the college kids, it's something to not, like, write them off for by any means. I mean, I've met a 7.5, obviously, but enough to maybe just make you plant the tiniest of seeds of doubt in your head that he's going to be a star. He'll, I think he'll be a quality NHL player, but that is that to think about. Also at a 7.5 is Connor Geeky. He's a big center, big, big boy, uh, but he is smart and skilled. He's not, um, he's not like a, a bruiser by any means, but he's, he, he uses that size and that strength effectively. He will hit a little bit, but what he does lack is skating. Same thing as younger or older brother Morgan did, but Connor does ski, uh, skate a little better than Morgan Geeky did. Um, but as I mentioned, he's a smart playmaker. He's skilled, and with that kind of size, he can use that size and strength to create to create space with his body. If he can't do it with his feet, and a lot of people don't really care for him. I shouldn't say don't care for him, but are a bit down on him because of the lack of skating. But I tend to believe more in the skills that he has. And I think he can be a a quality NHL center, third-line center at worst. I think he can be a second-line center. That's why I'm going to have him at a 7.5 there. Um, He definitely has the skill set to be on the power play. Next up is Kirill Marchenko, a Russian player who needs a little more consistency in this game. And those are usually kind of buzzwords to maybe be stereotypic, stereotypical, I guess, rather, of, of the Russians. And it's it's not good at pigeonhole Russians as enigmatic and, and all that stuff. It's you know mentally not not the uh, the right way to compartmentalize the Russians. But he does do a little bit of everything well, and he does have like a bit of a physical edge to his game too. And he's been productive at the pro level in Russia, which is very good to see. Got a pretty decent shot on him, and I think he could be the type of player who really pops if he comes over to North America and gets a real shot. I think he could be a real good second liner. Uh, next up is be Ivan Marushnichenko at a seven. Uh, if he was healthy, he'd probably be a 7.5, maybe even, no, he'd be a 7.5 if he was healthy the whole year. But he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, before the draft, and he didn't play for months. And he fell down to, I think, pick 19 or 20. I think it was pick 20 in real life by Washington. But he's got a strong frame. He's decent sized, and he is a high-end shot. He was supposed to be one of the premier goal scorers in this draft. And with that shot, and he had a pretty good skill and sense about his game. And I think he has the potential to really pop. I mean, he was supposed to be potentially a top-five pick in real life. And if he can come back from that Hodgkin's lymphoma, it sounds like he's, I don't want to say beaten it, but like maybe remission is right. It's, you don't always get the, the greatest of, of medical reports <laughs> coming out of Russia, especially now. <laughs> but if that didn't hurt his development too much, he could be a guy who potentially pops off and and. and Teams think, you know, maybe we shouldn't have passed on him. Also at a 7, Connor Zeri, who is a center who needs to skate a little better, but he skates decent. He's got really good effort and skills. He can make defenders miss in one-on-one situations. But the offense may not be great, but once again, he's a center, and that could be valuable. So if he's a third-line center, that bumps up about a 7 with my premium, if he's going to be winning face-offs. Also at a 7, I have Cam York, 
uh, notably the first overall pick ever for prospects by Jason when he first had this team. Or... Wait, no. Jay... Kim York was traded, I believe, because Jason, I think, technically would have been what is now Jared's team. I don't know. Now I'm just confusing myself. Well, regardless, Kim York was the first pick in the DSEC uh, inaugural prospect draft. Power play guy on the, on the blue line. He has a really good, strong sense for the game. He has skills. They're not flashy, but he's really smart. And he uses his brain to make the plays. And he plays simple, but he definitely has the ability to flash a little skill when needed. And he just moves the puck very smartly and very well. I think he's going to be productive in the NHL. Next up with this, uh, a run of 6.5s here, we have Samuel Fajamo with LA. Decent AHL numbers and definitely has an NHL skill set. He's kind of caught up between like a second and third line ceiling. That's kind of a debate within the scouting community. Uh, if he could be a bit more consistent in the points, in the playmaking, he could uh, be more of a close to a 7 potentially. Does have a pretty good shot though. Uh, also at 6.5, uh, Jan Yannick in Arizona. He's a centerman. Productive in the A. He got a little NHL experience. He shoots the puck well, creates decently well, but he's also probably a bit more of a third liner. Um, another all-time name for this for these lists, Shakir Mukamadoulin. Uh, he has a pretty big defenseman. He's mobile, but he's not. He doesn't use his his body physically to like you know hit guys and and try to play defense a bit more up in your face and physical. But he doesn't move the puck well. But he doesn't really move the puck well to generate offense though. So he's the kind of guy who has a skill set. You want to look at him like, just like you know, Im- impose yourself in the game. Make your opponents feel you. Be a little more. Um, play your passes with purpose, but he's just he's not quite there yet. Potentially he could, but he hasn't shown it. Um, Hendrix Lapierre, he's another center winger debate. Probably more of a winger though. He's got really good skill, and you can definitely read the game well. Uh, he needs to improve his pace of play. He did have a cup of coffee in the NHL last year. He broke camp with Washington, which is good to see. But he kind of infamously had some question marks about head injuries, but he and his camp kind of tried to dispel them. Like, oh, it was, wasn't really concussions. It was something else that was causing them, and it was it's a weird situation. So I, for me, that still lingers in my head. Like, I'll still think about that, but maybe it's not as serious as people thought. But that is a, a slight cause for concern, potentially. Next up here in the 5.5 range is Simon, or Simone Simon Robertson. I don't know which of the two. Uh, decent, uh, decent skill and finish, but the skating is meh. Uh, it just kind of lacks the, the type of skill set that would be relevant for DSAC. He's not a, a big point producer, and he's not exactly physical. Kind of ends up in the middle where... It's kind of hard to have a role on our on a team in DSEC. We've got Riker Evans, also at a 5.5. He's a guy who should play in the NHL, but uh, once again, doesn't really bring a whole lot of what we would want to see for, for our league. Uh, Igor Zamula at a 5.5. A guy who I originally drafted had a bit more higher hopes from him than this, but he skates not great. Uh, the skill isn't exactly there. And he's while he's big, the physicality hasn't exactly translated as hoped. And that's kind of what I was banking on when I drafted him. I thought he'd, he would hit a little bit and maybe develop a little bit of offense to be like a good role player for us. But it's, it's looking a little less likely here as, as the years go by. 
Um, next up is Sasha Shemilevsky, who I was a five. He has the talent to be higher than a five, but he left North America to go sign in Russia this year. And leaving North America like that is a little odd. I mean, he is American, despite the name Shemilevsky and the nickname of Sasha. Um, it's very Russian-Ukrainian level, like, nicknaming with, with Sasha. But... Maybe he comes back. I mean, he scored well in the AHL for his age, but this this the question marks about if he's ever going to come back to the NHL that have him down at a five. If he was still in the AHL, I would probably have him around a six, for what it's worth. Next up is Jet Wu. The offense, he's not going to produce offense anywhere. Uh, he hasn't in the AHL yet, but he does skate hard. He competes hard, and he's definitely in your face and physical. So maybe he can cut out a role in DSAC with, with the hits, but... Looking a little less likely as time goes by. And lastly, here is Anthony Tuomisto, another player whom I originally drafted. This one just doesn't look good. Uh, <laughs> drafted by Detroit. My logic with him was he has a booming shot, like a, a heavy point shot. I thought he could be potentially useful on the power play. He's got good size, but he just hasn't really developed much. He infamously played an extra year in junior instead of playing in the pro league in Finland because he wanted to eventually go play college in the United States. He finally did with Denver, and he won a national championship last year, but he didn't exactly play a featured role. Now he's going back to Europe after intentionally not playing at a pro level to play in college, which he didn't even see out. It's I He's not um, looking likely to play in the NHL, unfortunately, with the way his development has gone. Next up, after Nathan is Ping, Nathan, or Nathan, I should say, I don't think I mentioned this, also had a 7.1, but I had him missed over Jared on the tiebreaker of having a little bit more at the higher end of the prospect scale, in my opinion. But Ping here at fourth is going to have a, uh, a 7.35 ranking. Uh, he is headlined by an 8.5 and two eights. That 8.5 is Lucas Raymond. Uh, he really broke out last year with Detroit. I thought, and a lot of Wings fans thought, he would use the year in Grand Rapids, maybe get a little bit of call-up at the end of the year. Maybe he'd play his way into playing maybe half a season at most in Detroit. But he came into camp, and he kicked the doors down, and he made a spot on the team. And he has a very nice shot. Uh, can play on the flank and the power play and score and make plays from that, which is a good dynamic ability to have. He's got high-end skill. He's incredibly skilled and sees the game very well. He's not a burner with his skating. But when you have that smarts and, the, and those skills, you know, you can you can get to the spots you want to be without being a, a, a top-tier skater. And I think he's going to score a lot of points in the league for a long time. I think he's going to be easily be around a point per game, if not more, for a long time. That's valuable, even if you're going to be on the wing. Slightly below him at an 8, I have Cole Perfetti. And it pains me to not have Perfetti at an 8.5 because admittedly I love Cole Um painful to trade him, but I thought it was worth it to get Patrice Bergeron, even if only for last year and this year, because Bergeron is just so valuable for our league. But Perfetti, he, the more we go on, the more it looks like he's going to be best suited as a winger. What hurts his value a little bit, not playing center, but he is, man, he's really smart, and he's got good skill. He doesn't skate very well, but he works around it just fine. He's not fast, but he can be a little shifty on his his feet and make that uh, that small area uh, problem-solving and, and decision-making to make plays in tight spaces. Um, he's lethal uh, with the puck on his stick and will definitely be a power play threat as a passer more than a shooter, but he just thinks the game so well, and he's usually a step ahead of his opponents 
which helps mitigate the skating concerns because he knows how to manipulate his opponents to get them in positions to allow him to, to get to where he wants to go and to allow him to put himself in positions where he can make the best pass without having to worry about the defenseman being in the lane. Also at an 8, I have Luke Hughes. He's a Hughes brother, and he skates as well as you would expect from a Hughes brother. The difference between him and Quinn and Jack is Luke's actually on the bigger side. He's like 6'1", six, 6'2", six six which isn't huge, but compared to Quinn and Jack, who are notably a bit on the smaller side, he's, he's definitely bigger. Uh, the skating, he's got a pretty hard shot from the point. He moves well with the puck. He's maybe not a dynamic playmaker, but he's a smart one. He's a good one. He just does need to be a bit smarter with his passes, a bit too risky. Um, but he could be a high, very high-end offensive defenseman. Not really much for the physicality aspect of his game, but uh, playing smarter will will turn him into a uh, a top-pairing defenseman in the the real NHL and could have easily have him as like a perhaps a, a bit less valuable than than Quinn is um, in our league. Definitely notable when he was playing in the elimination game for the U.S. and the World Juniors. He was hurt. He probably shouldn't have been on the ice, but he had a, a pretty brutal turnover with the, the extra attacker with the goalie pole for the U.S., and it led to a uh, goal against real quick. At a 7.5, I have Ping's recent first-round pick, Marco Casper of Detroit. He's a centerman through and through. He's going to play a center at the NHL level. That is not a question. And he competes really well. He skates hard. He plays a 200-foot game. He's a very north-south player, not more of an east-west player. Uh, the offense, if upside, may not be super high, but if he's going to be a, a good second-line center, I could see 50 to 60 points for him. He's going to win face-offs, and he, he should be a very well-rounded player for us. Also at a 7.5, I have Alex Newhook. He's got some center winger debate about him, but he's a strong skater. He's more skilled than Casper is for sure, and that skill can flash too, which is good to see. And if he's going to be playing on Colorado, he'll have the talent around him to make it easier to put up points. At a 7, we have Dawson Mercer. He has shown really well in the NHL already. One of a few guys who last year had surprisingly good rookie years for that was a really good rookie class last year, man. I, I don't feel like people talk about it enough how good the 2021-22 rookie class was in the NHL. And Mercer was definitely near the top of that group. He's going to produce points. He competes really well. He's got a really strong shot, and he's got you know some some playmaking about him. Uh, I believe he was drafted as a centerman, but I think he's projected more as a winger now at this point in the league. Um, also, at a 7, we have Carson Lambos. He could not get... Uh, the best ice time on a good junior team in Winnipeg, but he does have legitimate puck-moving ability, and he does have a bit of a bite to his game. He could see some uh, some PP2, potentially. Um, I, I'm going to double-check on something here real quick. Um, I don't know if he was at the World Juniors, but I feel like he had something maybe notable here. So if you excuse me while I try to fill dead air while I'm trying to control F. Okay, yeah, he was at World Juniors. But he did uh, lose his job, uh, kind of moved midway through the tournament, essentially. He was ended up kind of being, uh, the, the way it was, seems worded is he was scratched. Um, he just kind of had a few mistakes and uh, did not produce the level of play that Canada expected from him at a, a high-end tournament. And he kind of has those question marks. But if he can move the puck a little bit, he's got the... Uh, bite to his game as I said there's something there but probably would be like a 7.5 if he had more consistency and less question marks with that also at a 7 here maybe this is a bit high I have Ryan Merkley who is a legit offensive talent like 
a dissecting quarterback on the power play for the blue line level of talent. Um, the effort lacks big time, though, and he's very small. So his best route to being relevant is probably a second-pairing guy who gets good power play time. Uh, could be his best-case scenario, I guess, would be like a Tony D'Angelo, Shane Gossespierre type. But it's the attitude and the, the effort that are, have plagued him for a while now. Got a few 6.5s here, led by Helga Granz. He's got a pretty good shot in passing sense of his game. Uh, the skill and the skating drag him down a little bit, and he definitely did not have the greatest of world juniors. Uh, Corson Kuhlmans has some skill. He has decent skating to be decent, but he just hasn't consistently shown uh, the offense yet. Mackie Samuskevich, one of many highly drafted players at the University of Michigan. Very skilled player. He's a very good skater. More of a perimeter player, though, and that's partly due to the lack of size and strength. He's got a good shot, but he really needs to insert himself more into the game in the middle of the ice and the physical areas to, to, to use that uh, that skill. Like, you know, it can only do so much from the perimeter. you got David Ferentz at a 6.5. Good skating and skill to be a good offensive defenseman. Had a very, very incredibly productive end of his college career. He's got a really good shot, too, and this is the defensive physicality that kind of lack. And that's probably going to prevent him from being able to get the ice time to properly show the offense if that were to translate. But he's got good skills. He's got a good hockey sense, and potentially he could be a power play guy if he can defend well enough to convince a coach to give him enough ice time. We got Ian Mitchell here at a 5.5. He's probably an NHLer. He's played. Uh, this is a decision year for ping on Ian Mitchell. Uh, there's the stat contributions for DSEC. I don't quite see him at the moment, but if he can get the offense up a bit more, um, he, there could be a uh, a route there for, for Mitchell. And also at a 5.5. And lastly, on Ping's team is Tyler Madden. He's got skill and an AHL track record, uh, but he is incredibly light. Like I think he's listed at around like 150-something, which isn't too far off from where, where I am in terms of weight. Granted, there's a bit difference between a, a doughy abdomen that eats Little Caesars once a week and a pro or I shouldn't say, well, eh. he's in the AHL, so he's technically a pro hockey player. Um, but it's the, the the weight and the skating that kind of drag him down a little bit, and it's kind of hard to make it that, with that combo if you don't have standout skill, which he does not, unfortunately. Uh, next up, we are going to have Tom. Tom will be the third-place team on our list here with an average of his top 10 at 7.5. Tom's got a pretty good team. Tom's got a pretty good team here. He's got three eights off the top, the first of which being Shane Wright. He's a guy who I think kind of got overscouted a little bit. He never did wow as people might have hoped because he had exceptional status, and the idea was that he would just continue to get better and better, and by the end of his junior career, he would be like dominating world juniors and really letting it up with Kingston and putting out some crooked numbers in the point totals, but he never quite got there. And he did, admittedly, be playing in the O, he did lose the 2020 season with COVID, as I had mentioned previously with, um, I forget I forget uh, who it was already, but I I think he's really good, though. He I think he should have been the top pick still. I understand the arguments for Slavkovsky, and I can understand why New Jersey would have passed on him, but I would prefer him to Cooley. I would prefer him to Slavkovsky personally from a hockey standpoint. But he's a centerman. He's a centerman through and through. He's got a hell of a shot. He competes the puck, competes with the puck really well, and to get the puck really well, 
I think he'll be very well-rounded and will do a little bit of everything in DSAC. I think he's going to be a great player. Um, Owen Power, next up, also at an 8. He's a guy who reads the game very well. He's not overly dynamic and flashy with his skill and his puck moving as a defenseman, but he's smart about it, and he moves the puck well. He will get a ton of ice time because he's a very good player all around. And he, with that ice time, comes more opportunities to score, and I think he will put up points. Maybe not as physical as you'd like for his size, but I think he'll be a very, very good player. Not not too dissimilar from Jake Sanderson, who we'll get to here in a minute. Uh, Uri Safkovsky, also at an 8. He was first overall this year, over, right, as I mentioned. He's a winger, though, but he's big, like six foot four, big. He's got very good skill for his size and a heck of a shot. He played very well against men in the Olympics. That's kind of where a lot of the hype started coming from, although his... Um, numbers over in Europe weren't exactly great. So maybe perhaps there's a bit too much hype based on his his kind of like one-off tournament performances as opposed to his league play. But, you know, we'll see. I, th- I still think he's going to be a, uh, a a very skillful player, and he can create the space to use that skill. I think he could be a, a first-liner. That's why I have him as an 8. Uh, Jamie Drysdale clocks in at a 7.5. It was admittedly a bit bearish on Drysdale in his draft class, but he skates very well. He moves the puck really well, and he's got a really good sense about it, but it's more brain over skill, and by that I mean like he's smart with where he wants to put to go with the puck and when he wants to go there. He's not exactly going to like wow you with any fancy moves with his, his stick. With his skates, yeah, he'll wow you, but I don't think he's quite uh, a, a locked and loaded first pairing D for, for our sense. Um, next up is Jack Quinn, also at a 7.5. AHL Rookie of the Year. That's always good to see. He has a hell of a shot. He competes uh, competes decently well. He's got good skill, too, to compensate for the fact that he's not the greatest of skaters. But he's decently shifty, and he can finish from anywhere in the O-zone. So it's it's the shot there that's really the big calling card. And well, With Buffalo, there's a lot of young talent in Buffalo. Arguably the top top grouping of young talent in the league. Uh, some of them have to make it, right? And if some of them do, and if Quinn can be playing with them, you, you got to think there's something can brew, something can be brewing there in Buffalo. But they've shown it, an impressive inability to actually develop their talent and make the most of it. So, who knows? But I, I, I believe in Jack Quinn to an extent. Jonathan Lekaramaki is also a seven point five, pretty similar to Quinn. Uh, they're both not exactly huge. Lekaramaki has a hell of a shot, maybe even the best in last year's draft. But he does need to learn to not lean on that so much and to develop his game a bit more on the interior with his size. Uh, just, you know, it's when, you, when you're when you a one-trick pony with a shot for the most part. He's not a one-trick pony, but when that's the, the thing you use the most, you got to be more, more balanced with your game so defenses don't key in on it and take it away from you. Uh, Brant Clark I have as a 7.5. Maybe that's a bit aggressive. Because the skating is bad. It's 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 not good. <laughs> but he's incredibly creative. His passing is great. His skill is great. He's and that is good enough to make him a threat offensively in the NHL, but he was infamously left off of Team Canada for this summer and the previous winter attempt at the World Junior Championships. Uh, not a good sign when you're that high of a draft pick and you're supposed to be that good. But yeah, it's mainly the defense that gets him. He's he's Easy to beat defensively on the rush. You can chip and chase by him. You can go around him. So if he can 
fix it up a little bit and if he can improve the offensive part of his game to at least give coaches a reason to use him even if he's not going to you know defend well he could be relevant for us but like a lot has to go right for him but if a lot goes right he's going to be really good so it's, it's trying to balance the the upside there with with the negative so I, I i do think there is something there especially for the offense which can be uh, enough to carry a defenseman in DSEC. Next up, that's a long run of sevens here. Connor McMichael, first of all. Centerman, the hype has cooled perhaps a bit in uh, over the last year. Skating isn't great, but he's got really good skill, and he's got a really good sense of it about him and how to produce offensively. He competes well. He's got a good shot. It's just, you know, it's you, you look to see, like, a little more a little more raw production from him, but he's a center, so that's going to have some value no matter what. Uh, Nils Hoaglander, also a seven. This is a decision year on Hoaglander. Elite, elite puck skill. The expectations maybe have fallen a, a tiny bit recently, but he's, you know, he's, he's the skill is really, really good. And he's going to score, and he's going to go score creatively. A bit on the smaller side, but the skill is just that good. I mean, I'm mentioning now for the third time, uh, notably scored at Michigan at World Juniors, I believe. I don't know if he did it twice. No, he did it once. But I think he has another Michigan goal, but I don't think it was at World Juniors. So I think it's, yeah, I think he scored two. In total, at least two. Uh, Chaz Lucius here at ALSO S7. Power play guy who's going to make plays more so than shooting. He's going to generate offense. He can generate offense at the, the interior of the ice and on the perimeter, and he does it with creativity. You'd like to see that. Uh, Ty Smith, also in a decision year. He regressed hard last year. Had a really good rookie year in New Jersey. Um, was objectively bad. <laughs> Um, last year, but what he does do is he still moves the puck really well. He still skates really well. It's it's the defense and the size that hold him back, but if he can put up enough points and maybe get in the power play there with Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh saw enough in him to acquire him in a trade, so could be relevant for Tom yet, and I would going to have him at a 7 for those, those reasons. Uh, Philip Tomasino in Nashville, looking more like a winger now than a center, so he's going to stay at a 7, where he probably would be a 7.5 if he had more center chance. Skates very well, and he's already produced in the NHL, and that's always a bonus, as I've said a few times now. Next up is Kevin Korczynski. I think he might have been a bit overdrafted in real life, but the offense is good. And if you're going to be an offensive defenseman, he's he's got the he's got the talent to to be one. Uh, the defense, though, uh, not so much. But it's moving the puck, it's being creative, and I think he'll be on the power play. And I think that'll uh, all in all. Uh, It'll help, help him be, be relevant for us. Uh, Danila Yurov, uh, skilled winger, creativity to make some plays. He's very well-rounded offensively. Can shoot a little bit, but probably a bit more on the playmaking side. But he'll he'll be uh, well-rounded enough to, to produce in our league. He's not going to be too one-dimensional. Uh, Ridley Grieg at a, a 6.5. Sarman does a little bit of everything well. Does nothing great, though. Uh, competes hard. He got a pretty decent shot, though I should say, but he'll be he'll be decent there. He's a, he's a, a six point five for me. Next up here, we got a few sixes. Tyson Forrester, hell of a shot, hell of a shot, but he's kind of a bit of a butcher with the skating. Um, could be a power play threat though, if uh, if he works uh, hard enough to make the NHL, which he certainly does work hard. The skill is good enough, so it's a matter of being able to utilize his shot and. If people try to key in on his shot to make plays, but it's he's not going to create off the rush on his own, at least. Pierre-Olivier Joseph, 
uh, competes well, but doesn't generate a, a ton of points. He's been a prospect now for a while at Pittsburgh, but he just he, this hasn't quite happened yet. And the longer it takes to happen, the less confident I am that it ever will. Um, we got Zach Dean here, center winger debate, probably more of a a winger. Shoots and competes well, but he doesn't exactly have the greatest of hockey sense, and he doesn't exactly drive play, which isn't exactly great. Kind of be more of a complimentary player and questionable if he can be that. Uh, Bodie Wild down at a six. Um, part of this is his reluctance and his uh, just no desire to get vaccinated for COVID-19, which has led to the Islanders keeping him out of North America now for last year and this coming up year. And that's admittedly hurting his development when he's not playing over North America, being within the Islander system. Um, but when he was over in Sweden, he played in the Elsvenskan, which is kind of like the, uh, the minor league of the SHL in a way. Uh, and he did not play well. Like, Bodie Wild was supposed to be like a, a first-rounder. I think he was an early second-rounder in 2018. But like potential first-round talent. Maybe he was a late first-rounder. Regardless, he wasn't exactly at a, the highest of draft picks, but he was decently high, highly taken in 2018. In playing in a lesser league in Sweden, he disappointed. He didn't really put up much points uh it's you you like you wanted to see him kind of go over there and dominate a little bit and he didn't do that he's got skill he's definitely got a bit of a bite to his game he's not afraid to get to get physical but the development is not progressing and he's not helping his own case so if he was over north america now he'd probably still be up like a seven seven or so but he's down at a six for his reasons why he's earned his development adam beckman at a 5.5 the compete isn't quite there. He's got decent skill, but uh, he can't always get to it. He has a good shot, but once again, if you don't have the compete, maybe you can't get to that shot all the time. He doesn't skate overly well, but if he can improve his consistency in his offensive game and his compete, he can he can be in the NHL, but uh, it's a bit questionable at the moment if he can uh, be a, a, uh, a regular. We have Vladislav Kolychonik. Uh, another 5.5. He's played in the NHL a little bit. Moves decently well, but the offensive game isn't exactly special. Kind of hard to see him having a DSAC skill set. Procore Poltapov uh, skates well, competes well. The offense just hasn't quite shown up yet again. Uh, we have Alex Beret-Belay, who I have down as a 4. He is a heck of an AHL player, but he just doesn't look like an NHLer. Uh, he, he just hasn't stuck with, with multiple teams yet. He had a chance in Tampa, but they put him on waivers because he couldn't craft the team. Went to Seattle and just didn't hang around long and went back to Tampa Bay off of waivers not long after. And just kind of looks like he's going to be the the guy who just dominates the AHL, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't translate. doesn't have quite the uh, the the body or the skating or the strength to to, to translate that, that skill in the AHL into NHL performance. And then we do have a, a few... Even below a four here, we have a couple of three point fives with Tom, Axel Janssen Fialbi. If this is a hair hair ranking, he's an eleven out of ten, but it's not. And unfortunately for him, it's a hockey ranking, so he's he's just not an NHLer. He's played a few games, but he's not talented enough to be a regular. Uh, Jack Duggan, former Vegas Golden Knight. Uh, he's, he's, he, I don't think he's just gonna make it now. He's he's in his entering his mid twenties, I believe, and it still hasn't happened for him. It's it's not going to happen. Alexei Melnichuk, I was down at a three, who has left North America for Europe 
after mediocre minor league numbers. I can't imagine he's coming back. So that's it's a, a bit of a waste of a pick there with Melanchuk. And Lucas Alvanis, also a three. Another guy who left for Sweden this time from the AHL, looking like a real long shot. So Tom is going to be in third. Now in second, and this was a really close one, uh, Tom had an average score of a 7.5. Second place has a 7.9, and first place has an 8.1. But in second place here at a 7.9 with truly a, an absolutely great uh, system here, it's going to be Barry. I don't quite have him as high as Josh, but Barry has a really, really good system, and it's going to be a, a lengthy review here. He's got a full 35-man system at the moment. Let off with uh, Mason McTavish. I really like Mason McTavish. I, I kind of liked him at his draft. I wasn't exactly overly over the moon about him, but everything he's done since his draft has just made me, made me a believer. Uh, he's skillful. He's got a hard shot. He competes very well. He plays a center. There's nothing about his game to not love. He's performed at every level and even on the biggest of junior stages. Team Canada captain, gold medal winning Team Canada captain. He's, he's got everything. Uh, Spencer Knight, also an 8.5. Uh, I mentioned him earlier with in the context of Yaroslav Askarov. Um, he's played a little bit in the NHL. He's shown really good things in the NHL, but he hasn't been consistent about it yet. And he's still really young, so you can't really expect him to be, you know, like Vesna candidate <laughs> right off the bat. So he still has a little bit of way to go, but he's got a, a nice big frame He's got a control about his, his technical technical abilities. He's technically sound. And he's quick, too. So he, he should be a, a really good starter, maybe even a like a, a top 10 starter, top 5 starter in the league in due time. But he just needs to develop a little more and maybe adjust a little bit more to the NHL pace. Got Matty Beneers here uh, at an 8. He's kind of like Shane Wright in a way. Um, except Shane Wright's maybe a... a now, maybe Shane Wright does have a better shot. But Matty Beniers is a center through and through. Should be a first-liner. He doesn't do anything skill-wise great, but he's just so good at everything. And he competes really hard, and that combination will get you really far in hockey. Should do a little bit of everything in DSAC, and he'll be very valuable. Uh, Jake Sanderson is also an 8. Uh, Sanderson's a very complete defenseman. He skates very well. He competes hard. He's got a little creativity in that dynamic ability he's not overly then overly dynamic but he's got the creativity and the skill and the smarts he's incredibly smart to uh to make the right play and he's not afraid to be a little physical too which you like to see he might he might be he won't be a complete negative in the grid stats also at an eight is anton Lundell. he's nhl proven he scores he competes he's smart he's got a strong skill set he's not flashy about it but he just makes the right play and he, he's able to produce. And he's a centerman. That's, that's, it's a great combo. Uh, Simon Edvinson, also at 8. Uh, he's a rangy defenseman who skates very well for his size. He moves the puck very well. I mean, no one's going to mistake him for, for Kale McCarr with the skating and puck moving. But for someone who is, I think, now around like 6'5 or 6'6, after he's grown a little bit more, uh, you don't expect to see a guy like that move that well. Uh, he, he'll definitely get some points, and he's got some uh, some bite to his game. He's not afraid to get a little physical. So I, he's, I wouldn't have him quite like at Jake Sanderson's level, but they're both good enough to be an 8, I think. Down at a 7.5, I'm going to have Sebastian Cosa. Admittedly, as a Wings fan, I am, 
I don't want to say officially worried, but I'm not thrilled with how Kosa's development has gone. He was incredible in the WHL in his draft year. He stayed in the WHL last year because he wasn't old enough to go anywhere else, and the numbers dropped. He still was he still was good, and his team was still really good, but the save percentage was not nearly as good as it was the previous year. Uh, and he had some some rough showings at the prospect camp uh, about a month or so ago here in Detroit. He's got a crazy high ceiling because he's incredibly big and he's got some crazy athleticism. But his it's his technical ability that kind of lacks. He can be a bit chaotic. He's not very, like, not always squared up to the shooter. Uh, he would, a, Another cause for concern would be his World Junior Championships. Uh, he was scratched at times in the winter tournament, and he ended up being the backup in the, the summer tournament to Dylan Garand. Uh, for a first-round pick, the highest draft capital on any Team Canada goal, you expect him to be the guy, but he just wasn't. And he's got he's got a ways to go. If if he can refine his technical ability, he has the chance to be you know, where Spencer Knight is. But he's got work to do to get there. Also at a 7.5, there's a few 7.5s here, Barry. Alexander Holtz. Um, I don't want to say he's one-dimensional, but he definitely is more of a shooter than anything else. But it's a hell of a shot. It's a killer shot. He's, he does have good skill and creativity. He's not exactly a burner, but he should be you know, a top-six sniper, second-liner, maybe first-liner, depending on the situation. But he'll, he'll score goals in the NHL. Also here at a 7.5, I have Olin Zellweger. Man, he... Could not have had a better 2021-2022 season. He had a huge World Junior showing. I don't think any defenseman his age has put up that many points in a World Juniors before. I think that was the stat I saw, which is incredible because he can play again at the Winter Tournament coming up here in just a few months now. Uh, but he does. He skates really well. He moves really well. And he sees the game very well. Not a, not a flashy player, but he's smart and he knows where to go with the puck. And that alone will help him produce offense with, with good ice time in Anaheim. Next up, we have Wyatt Johnston, uh, a, a real good pick from Barry from our recent draft. He's a centerman. The skating could be a little better, but he drives play really well, and he competes really hard, sees the game very well, and will make plays. He's the guy who's turning heads in Dallas, and uh, I believe he was a second-round pick a year or two ago, and uh, he's he's definitely outperformed what anyone would have expected at this point. I, I really like him as a player. I'm going to have Frank Nazar also at a 7.5. He's also a centerman, and he skates really well. He's admittedly small for a center. Uh, players of his size don't make it as top six centers hardly ever. But he's what he does do is he goes to the middle of the ice with that compete level. He's not overly flashy, but his ability and his willingness to go to the middle of the ice and go to the dirty areas to produce is not something you always see with a guy that size, and that can help mitigate, and that's why people think that despite the size flaw, his skating and his compete will get him farther than uh, a, a bigger centerman who doesn't do those things. Got Arthur Kaliev also at a 7.5, a former walleye draft pick. He's a bit of a one-trick pony, but it's one hell of a trick. He's got an elite shot, and he just scores goals. The puck just launches off of his stick with ease. Uh, it's The skating is not very good. The puck skills aren't very good. But he knows where to go and when to be there for his shot. So he's not going to create with the puck on his stick. He's not going to create off the rush. But if you just don't pay perfect attention to him, he's going to find a soft spot and he's going to put the puck in the net. 
Uh, at a 7, we have William Eklund, center winger debate. If he's a center, he's a 7.5, maybe even an 8 if he has a good year this year. But he skates really well. He's got a good hockey sense. He played a little bit in San Jose, but he went back to Sweden after after a few games, and he just did not produce like expected. The hopes are a bit down, I guess. I just shouldn't say a, they're down, down, but uh, he would have um, had to have scored more than one whole goal last year which is for a, a top 10 drafted forward, is not good. And if he would have done a little better with the production, he'd probably be you know, th- thought of a bit, a bit better at the moment. But he's recently drafted, and certainly nobody's counting him out yet. He's, he's, he's still a really good player. Also at a 7, I have Vasily Barkolzin. He did produce in, in the NHL last year. I admittedly didn't realize how good of a, a season he had in the NHL last year with Vancouver. And his calling card is he has an incredibly intense compete level. He's got good skill, but he's just not really a star. I didn't really see it on draft day either, and he hasn't really done anything since to to prove to me that he should be considered in the star star realm. But, I mean, it's just skill, and he'll definitely compete, and I think he can be a second liner. But I don't think he's going to, you know, be a guy who you just absolutely have to have in DSAC. He'll be more than relevant for our league, though. Uh, Etu Ratu, also here at a 7. He's a centerman and a, uh, a a confident centerman. He's not going to play on the wing, most likely. Uh, he's got very good hands, strong vision to make the plays. He's got a pretty good shot, too, but the skating isn't perfect. It's gotten a lot better, though, and that's that's good reason to be optimistic about his game. He just needs to be a little more consistent. That's why he fell in the draft infamously. He was in talks to be a potential first overall pick a year in advance. And then as his draft year kind of happened, he didn't produce. He had issues with the, the effort and the, the showing, and he ended up falling to the second round to the Islanders. But he's done a whole lot since he was drafted to prove that maybe he is closer to the guy who he was supposed to be. Uh, Alex Turcott, also at, his, at a 7, has not developed as hoped. I believe he was the... 2019, I think he was the fifth overall pick. Because I believe what Hughes, Kako, Doc, Byram, Turcotte. And he skates well. He's pretty quick. He's got a good compete level. But the skills and the production just haven't lived up to the expectations of his draft. But he's a centerman, though, and that'll help him. If he was a winger, he'd probably be honestly closer to a six. But... We got Devin Levi here with a seven, uh, a Richter Award winner. That's best goalie award for college. Had an insane collegiate season. He's a bit on the smaller side, though. I think he's only about six foot. But he is incredibly quick and he's athletic. And he definitely has the, the package of skills to offset his size with his technical ability paired with set of, set athleticism. So I'm curious to see how he makes it. I, th- I think he could be good, but. It would require a lot to go right for him to be a uh, a star starter, but I think he could be a, a starting goalie. Maybe more of a, a the, the the stronger side of a tandem than a, a defined starter on his own. Uh, we have two pretty similar players here drafted both this past year, both offensive defensemen, and they're both also a seven. Denton Matejchuk and Pavel Minchikov. Uh, Matejchuk is well, they're both offensive as I mentioned, but Matejchuk is a pretty good skater. He's got good dynamic ability with his feet to create the offense. He passes the puck really well. Whereas Minchikov is maybe a little bit better with playing with good pace, and he sees the game very well. Minchikov has the better shots to add another ability. 
another dynamic really to his power play ability to go along with the playmaking. Although he's a bit more aggressive offensively than Matejchuk is, and that could be cause for coaches to drive be driven a little wild, but that'll also help him put up more points. Uh, a few 6.5s here, Fabian Lazelle. He's a great skater. He's very creative, but he is a bit on the smaller side. He doesn't really battle much. He doesn't exactly always make the greatest decisions. Had a pretty meh World Juniors. But when he gets going in a straight line and he's got skill and he can he can produce off the rush, maybe not so much on a cycle. Uh, Jacob Perot, also a 6.5. He's a better shooter than anything else. Maybe a bit too more perimeter-oriented than he should be. And if he can compete harder and get to the middle of the ice better, he could be a, a more improved player. But he hasn't quite shown that yet. He does have a good sense for the game, though, and he can make plays. He's got the skill for that, and he to, especially in the power play. So he's not just going to hang out there and shoot. If if defensemen and defense defenders, even on a, even forwards defending on a, on a penalty kill, for example, try to key on that shot, he he does have the ability to kind of move the puck a little bit and and make you think twice about selling out for a shot. Nikita Chibrikov has some pro experience in Russia. He's got a good sense about his game and really good skills for playmaking. And he actually does compete hard and gets to the hard areas of the ice. Always nice to see. Uh, in an effort to speed this up, <laughs> trying to go a little quicker here, Rasmus Kapari, also a 6.5, plays the game with great pace. He has the skill to produce, but it's been a little inconsistent. He's probably going to end up being a winger in LA system with how many centers they have. Uh, he's but the offense could be there with with more consistency and more more development. Uh, Brock Faber, I have a six point five, and it pains me to put him here because I love Brock Faber as a prospect. I would really love to have him in the wing system because he's a really good defenseman, but he's a better real life player because he's not going to put up a lot of points. He's probably not going to play a power play, and he's not exactly going to lay a lot of hits. But he's just incredibly smart and good with the stick in the defensive zone that he's going to you know, thwart attacks, and he's going to be really good at transitioning the puck and, and getting the pucks moving in the offensive direction. But he's just not going to contribute a whole lot in the point totals once the the puck gets into the offensive zone. Uh, next up, I have two players here whom I you kind of can't really talk about one without talking about the other, with Vitaly Kravtsov and Grigory Denisenko. Um, both Russians, both uh, picked by Barry in our inaugural draft, and I have them both down at sixes now. With Kravtsov, it's been a very chaotic development. It's been a very um, hot and cold, um, to be polite, relationship with the Rangers. He's been back and forth to Russia a couple of times. He just hasn't quite gotten along there with New York. He has the skill, but it's the compete and the effort that hasn't quite gotten there, and that's kind of gotten him in the doghouse with some of the brass in New York. Uh, the pace of play isn't quite there, which is hope, and I, I got to fear he's running out of time a little bit. He's... Back stateside, I believe now. Hopefully, for his sake, to compete for a, a legitimate spot in the NHL lineup. With Denisenko, though, he's another guy. He has the talent, but he's also not quite putting it together yet. He can create from the perimeter. He's good in power play, but he's is kind of like Kravtsov. He's just not consistent, and the offense just the, the point totals, the raw point totals, just have not been there yet. Also at a six, I have Brad Lambert, and I don't really know how to grade him because Brad Lambert at his best is probably a 7, 7.5. But Brad Lambert at his worst is probably like a 5 or a 5.5. So I'm going to put him in the middle, I guess, a little bit. He's got a really high ceiling but a very low floor. He skates incredibly well. He's one of the best players in this room, probably even the best player in the, the 2022 draft class. 
in transition and getting the puck his own entries, but he just doesn't have the hockey sense. He's been scratched in the World Juniors uh, the last few weeks. He doesn't produce in league games. Like, he, he switched teams in Finland, and he didn't produce on either team. And if both te- and if you have multiple teams, you know, quote-unquote, using you incorrectly and you're just not and it's not your fault for why you aren't producing, maybe it's your fault that you aren't producing if it's been multiple teams. Um, he's incredibly frustrating. Uh, one of the big things he does, particularly in the offensive zone, is he just hangs onto the puck like he's trying to find the absolute most dangerous pass he can to try to set up a surefire goal, and he passes up a lot of good opportunities. And hockey is a game where you have to take the good opportunities because the, the great ones, the perfectly dangerous chances, aren't always going to be there. And it just leads to him kind of holding the puck on way too long, and it just it doesn't lead to offense. When it when everything about his skill set and his game screams, he should be a really good offensive player, but the, he just doesn't produce. Pavel Dorofeyev probably going to end up in a third line winger spot. He shoots the puck really well, though. He's got a good skill and sense, but a bit of it's the pace and energy though that kind of lack with him. Could end up on a power play, I guess, uh, in Vegas at the moment, but he's also a six. Um, Rodion Amirov I have as a six, and I it's not fair to put him at a six because he has had a brain tumor. Um, if he can come back and reach the level he was at before the medical issues, he's easily a seven, seven point five because he skates very well. He anticipates the play very well. He's got a very good sense of where the puck should go. But I mean, brain tumor is no joke, and. Yeah, I seriously all, all the best for Amirov, and I really hope he can he can bounce back because he's a very good player, and the league would be better if Amirov can can play in the NHL. Isaac Howard down here with the six, he's got skill. He's definitely got a lot of puck skills, and he scored a lot of goals with the US and TDP. But he is a bit on the smaller side. He's not exactly a good skater, and I should say the goals too. That doesn't necessarily mean he has a great shot. He has a good shot. But his goals weren't always, you know, from sh- from you know, from shooting the puck more or less. He could kind of crash the dirty areas and and put in some rebounds and some some quick shots from inside the home plate area. But with his his size and his skating, I don't know if he'll be able to get to those areas in the NHL. Which is why, for a habit of his that I normally would consider a a positive trait, and this still is a positive trait for him. I just don't know how well he in particular can translate that, whereas some of the other players who are good at getting to the, the middle of the ice and scoring the dirty goals can translate that better. Uh, Ryan Suzuki I have also as a 6. Maybe he should be a 6.5 in hindsight, but he's got skill. He's had a couple injuries that have kind of hampered his production in the American League. But he is a centerman. And I think he's definitely worth holding on to a bit longer to see if that offense that he was supposed to have with his decent skill is going to ever pop. But I just don't know if he's ever going to score enough. He might end up being more of a third-line center at best, and he's not going to be overly physical. So I'm a bit bearish on, on Suzuki at the moment. Alexander Alexiev, I have at a 5.5. Uh, he just doesn't have a ton of skating and skill. He's definitely a defense-first guy who will probably play bottom pair and penalty kill. And the issue here is, will he be able to block enough shots and throw enough hits to be relevant? Uh, we've got a couple fours here with Caden Primo leading the way. Uh, originally drafted by Barry in the startup, he's played in the NHL as a goalie. But I just don't know if it's going to work out for him. He's been fine in the American Hockey League, but not great. 
He's been just objectively bad the last two seasons when he's been in the NHL. So, you know, it's just, it's, he's still young-ish, but you would like to have seen more development and more progression in his game at this point. So I just, I just think he's going to end up being more of a, an AHL guy who ends up being like a spot starter in the NHL if you have like an injury or two. Also to four, I have Simon Holmstrom. He's been the AHL now for quite a while, and he definitely has a little bit of skill, but he just doesn't skate overly well. He doesn't have a good pace to his game, and I think that's why he just hasn't made the NHL really yet. And if he hasn't made it yet at this age, I, I don't really see him making it consistently in the future. I would pretty much write him off. And then lastly, at uh, 2.5, uh, Simone Refors. Uh, Barry gave him a four-year deal in free agency, and I don't know why. Like, seriously, what? I, I honestly want to know what happened there. Like, he just hasn't produced in the American League. He was admittedly good in his final SHL season, but the SHL is still, you know, a couple of levels below the NHL, and he's on a really stacked Tampa Bay organization. I just don't see how he's ever going to crack a lineup there. So if he's going to end up playing in Syracuse for another couple of years, he's just going to kind of run out his development clock, and he's just not going to have the the chance to, to crack, crack it. That'll move us on now to Josh, the, the top-ranked prospect team, just a, by a hair over Barry. But what's going to happen with Josh here is Josh has two 8.5s and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine eights, and then three seven and a halves. So we'll start off with those eight and a halves. The eight and a halves are both guys who are in their uh, decision year for Josh. And spoiler alert, Josh will be definitely calling them up um, probably at the end of this year before next year. He's got Josh Norris and Jake Ottinger. Norris is already a stud. He's a centerman. He wins a lot of faceoffs, and he's already has a 30-goal season under his belt in the NHL. He shoots the puck a lot. Ottawa got a lot better over the offseason. I could see Norris being a uh, a 70-point player who wins a lot of faceoffs. He's going to be really good for this league. Uh, Jake Ottinger is an NHL-proven goalie. Looks like the guy now in Dallas. He looked absolutely insane in these playoffs. And I think he should be a high-end starter for a long time. I think he's going to be really good in goal. Uh, Logan Cooley is the first of many eights. Centerman, just taken third overall by Arizona just a couple months ago. He plays with a great pace to his game and a great skill. He's got a great sense and vision. He's got a good compete level. He's got a good shot. He just does everything at a high level. I think he's going to be a really good centerman, even if he's a bit under six foot. Uh, Jesper Wallstedt I have at an eight as well. He looks like he should be a, a high-end starter, but... You know, he's played really well in Sweden, in the SHL, which is incredible at his young age. But until he's done it in North America, it's going to hold me off just a little bit from giving him an 8.5. He's incredibly technically sound, which is, quite frankly, at an impressive level for someone his age. Admittedly, he's a bit lacking in his lateral quickness, his ability to get from side to side and, and to get in front of shots, but he does read the game very well. So if he can read the game well enough to anticipate, to make up for that lack of lateral quickness... He's not laterally slow. He's just not as explosive as like a Sebastian Cosa, for example. But if he can read the game well enough to make up for that, he'll be fine. He'll be a very good goalie for a very long time. Also at an 8, Bowen Byram, who probably should be an 8.5 if not for concussion issues because at this point, it really is one or two bad hits and he's done. Uh, you hope that doesn't happen, obviously, because he's incredibly fun to watch and he was electric in the playoffs. 
He's an incredible high-end skater. He's got great skill. He's got great sense to move the puck. Uh, prolific goal scorer in the WHL when he was in junior for a defenseman, uh, pretty, which obviously means he has a really good shot from the point. And if he can be healthy, as I mentioned, he's going to be really good. I, I have high hopes for Bowen Byram in Colorado, especially in Colorado. It's a great team out there with the Avalanche, and if he's going to be part of that, he's going to have some some good uh, some good point totals. Also at eight, Matthew Boldy, NHL proven. He scored a lot. I'm pretty sure he had a hat trick against Detroit. Unfortunately, I had to watch that. Fortunately for Boldy, though, I do like Boldy. Uh, he's got really good skills and sense. He's not the 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 smoothest of skaters, but he creates from all areas of the ice because his big frame. He's willing to go to the net and make things happen. I I think very highly of Matthew Boldy. I mean, he, I think he's a first liner. Kent Johnson, I also have at an eight here. I. It's a, the lazy comparison is kind of like a Zegers light level of skill and creativity. He scored in Michigan in the World Juniors. His skating like Zegers isn't great, but the skill is so nice. He can run a power play. He's dynamic when he's on. He was really good with Michigan, and he was great with Canada in the World Juniors. Scored the the gold or the the gold medal winning goal in overtime. So yeah, there's just a lot to like about his 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 flashiness and his, his skill. He'll he'll create points in the NHL. Dylan Genther is up next, another eight. We're still a few eights to go yet with Josh. Genther has a high-end shot. He's absolutely dominated in juniors. He's got an NHL shot right now easily. He could be NHL goalies with ease. And he's got the skill in skating to compete with that as well. He can kill penalties a little bit, so he's a bit of an all-situations player, but I think he'll make his bread here scoring goals and producing on the power play. Quentin Byfield also as an eight on production he should probably be a 7.5 but he just has he's a big boy and he's got a skill set that looks like there could be just so much more to his game than what he's shown so far so for at least another year yet i'm going to keep him at an eight uh the pedigree the skill set he's a centerman he's big uh, he's just he's he's talented and if he can put it together he will produce at a very good rate in the nhl we got Cole Sillinger here. Looks like a centerman. Uh, he's got a really nice shot. He broke uh, camp with Columbus. I believe he played a full year with Columbus in his his draft plus one year, which is incredible. That doesn't happen very often, especially for someone picked outside the top five. But this, the shot is really, really nice. He's in, an incredible competitor. I uh, had to learn that from his dad, who uh, infamously played on, I believe, the most teams ever in NHL history. So he, he knows how to, to work hard and make sure he keeps his place in the league. And having a full year of NHL experience under his belt only makes me more uh, comfortable in keeping him there. Uh, we got Juracek, David Juracek up next, also at eight. He's a more physical defenseman with a booming shot from the point. The skating isn't great, and he did blow out his knee in the winter version of the World Juniors before that got canceled. Uh, but he does move the puck well enough. He'll get he'll eat a lot of ice time, and if he's on the ice a lot with his puck movement, he'll he'll find his way into some points to go along with his physicality. Few 7.5s, Marco Rossi with Minnesota. He's a centerman through and through. He competes really well, and he will go to the hard areas. Been on the smaller side, but he has really good skill. He's got a really good hockey sense. But he's he's not exactly a burner on the skating either. Personally, I'm not as high on him as some others are. I think others, if you were using my scale, would have him at an 8. I'm just a little skeptical about how many points he'll actually produce long-term based on how he got his points in junior. Uh, Logan Stankoven is next. Um, like Wyatt Johnston, I believe he was a second-round pick in the same draft Johnston was. 
with Dallas. He's probably more of a winger, though, but he skates incredibly well. He competes really well. He's got a great skill level. But he should be able to produce at the NHL level with his, his weapon of a shot. Been on the smaller side, but I, I, I think very highly of Stankoven. He's, he's done a lot over the last year or two to, to really rise up a lot of people's boards. Joachim Kemmel here, also 7.5. Goal scorer. He creates really well, too, but it's the shot that's the real moneymaker here. He's got a good compete level, and he's got a good vision to to make some plays, but it's going to be scoring goals here at the NHL level that'll really kind of carry him. A few sevens now, headlined by Kalen Addison, probably more of a second-pairing defenseman, offensive-minded. The defense isn't great, but he can run a power play with his skill and his vision from the blue line. He skates really well, so there's an offensive skill set there to, to, to like. Xavier Borgo, he's going to be more of a playmaker wing. Uh, he's got a good, tremendous sense for the game. He's got a really good passing ability. He's going to get some power play time. Brennan Othman, he's a great shot. Uh, very solid playmaking. The skating isn't perfect, but the compete and skill will will o- overcome that for sure. He'll he'll be an NHL player. Uh, Jagger Furcus, whom I like, uh, he really kind of popped at the CHL top prospects game. He's got a great shot with a pretty good skill. He'll be on the power play. bit light. I'd like to see him tack on some more muscle and weight to his frame to really make the most of his, his game, but he'll play. Next up in this, I'm sorry to mention his name, Josh, but Nicholas Robertson, um, 6.5 there with the Leafs. He's looked good in the A when he's been healthy. Skates not, skating isn't great. He's not as good as his brother Jason overall, but he's got a really good shot. He competes well. He's got a good hockey sense about him, and he should produce in the NHL, especially if he gets power play time. And he's with Toronto, who admittedly has a ton of talent and. If he can hang on with the Leafs, he'll get some opportunities to put up some points. Got Fedor Svechkov, probably a centerman, but on the third line, he's also a 6.5. He's got some good skill. He's defensive responsible, so maybe that's a, 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 a formula to get some face-off wins and some hits and blocks. If he can improve his skating a little bit, uh, could help him get a little more offense to his game. Uh, and he did do decent against men in, in the Russian minor leagues, so there is some, some proof of concept there. Jimmy Snuggerud, kind of like um, a slightly lesser version of Rucker McGordy. Uh, he's an American who competes really well, really good shot, but he doesn't skate very well. So he could be a pretty, pretty good, uh, well, well-rounded ringer or well, wound, well-rounded winger. Tongue twister, apparently, uh, for for our league. But the offense probably lacks a little too much to be, you know, like a a a a, a, a key player for us. But he'll, he'll be relevant. Liam Ogren, he's definitely more of a goal scorer over a playmaker, but he does have a really good shot, and that's why he's such a goal scorer. Uh, he competes really well, and the goals do come in a variety of ways, which is nice to see. He's not just kind of teeing off from the circles. He's getting some middle of the ice, and he's, he's picking up rebounds and, and loose shots, and he's putting, putting home pucks from the home plate area. Uh, Joe Valeno is next, also a 6.5. Skates well and is a centerman. I think he's he could end up playing on the wing in Detroit, but he definitely has the ability and the skill set to play center. So I'm going to project him as a center until proven otherwise. Uh, he works really hard. He's got a little of offense to his game, but he's definitely a strong skater who plays a little more north and south than east and west. But he was an exceptional status, uh, talent at one point, and it just hasn't quite gone as hoped for him. But he could be relevant for our league. Uh, next up here we have two Rangers defensemen, both also at a 6.5. Braden Schneider is more of a bruiser who lacks offense, but he competes hard. 
whereas Nils Lundqvist is kind of like an inverse to Schneider, where he's a bit smaller with more offense and less defense. He's got a good shot, and he's played in the NHL. Schneider, too, obviously. Schneider is in a decision year for Josh. But, you know, two Rangers defensemen for Josh, but d- different sides of the coin there. Uh, Philip Messar, who's going to be the first six for Josh. He skates well. He's got a nice shot. He's got some skills, makes some plays, but not exactly imposing himself physically, and I, I don't really see him cracking uh, the top half of the lineup, so I'm going to have him at a six. Got Cal Foot, Adam Foot's son. He's a big boy. Uh, he, he will help in the grit stats a bit, especially if he can get more ice time, but Tampa Bay is kind of loaded in the blue line, so maybe his best shot is change the scenery. But the offense will definitely never be a trait you rely on in our league. So he'll be a grit stats guy or bust for our league. Uh, Liam Foody is a 5.5. Draft pedigree with him, first rounder, but his development has kind of stalled out a little bit. Probably best suited for the wing because he is one hell of a skater. Incredibly fast. But the skills and sense is not, not, quite, not quite there as we had hoped. Uh, especially if, if his hands were as good as his feet were, he'd be, <laughs> he'd be one hell of a player. So there's a chance he could perhaps get a bit more NHL offense than he's shown, but it's a bit unlikely. In foot and foodie, and the next player, Gabe Velarde, all three of them are also in decision years for Josh. So make or break for those three. Velarde here, I'm moving down to 5.5. He looked pretty good last year, or the, the 2020 and 21, not 21, 22. Uh, but injuries just really stalled out his development with his back for a few years, and it just looks like he's he's really missing that development. Uh, it's not quite panning out for him yet, and his stats don't really look like he'll be a strong DSAC player. Even with a centerman, he's not really taking a lot of face-offs. He doesn't really hit or th- block shots. He's not really producing points. It's, it's kind of not uh, not an ideal skill set. He probably also needs a change of scenery in real life because LA has a lot of prospects and a lot of centermen, and maybe a shot in a different organization jumpstarts him a little bit. Got two fives here, Alexei Heponiemi. He was incredibly light uh, and has a little bit of skill. He's producing the A. He's played a few NHL games, but he's probably not a guy who's going to be a regular contributor. Uh, Patrick Pistola, whose skating in his compete dragged down what he makes up for with good skill and good goal scoring, but it's a hard, uh, hard package to, to be uh, good in the NHL. And man, does, does Carolina seem to have guys who maybe don't compete very well. There's been like four or five of them that have had that particular knock from the reports I've read, so it's interesting. And last here, at the four and a five, Mr. Irrelevant on this whole list, Josh Brooke with Montreal. He moves pretty well, uh, spent more time in the ECAHL last year than the AHL was, which is not a good sign, but he was admittedly hurt, so coming off of an injury, he kind of had to work his way back, and that ended up being more ECHL. He's got an uphill climb for relevance in our league, but, you know, maybe there's something there. Maybe, but I I am not really optimistic about it. So, a few other things to point out here with Josh. Josh really likes Minnesota's, Columbus's, and the Rangers' systems. Um, Alex has a few Penguins, of course, in Carolina. He was, admittedly, quite a few with Toronto as well. Um, Barry seems to have a lot of players from Florida and Detroit. Uh, a few from Anaheim as well. Um, Chris has more, uh, Dallas is his big. Um, Carolina a little bit too. Actually, Carolina I think has more than Dallas, but Carolina and Dallas are his two big teams he picks from a lot. Um, Jared's team has... It's admittedly pretty well-rounded. There's a couple of Dallas guys. 
couple Ottawa guys, a couple Buffalo guys, but not a ton of, of overlap there with the teams. Um, Josh, as I kind of mentioned already. Um, Kevin has a couple Islanders. He's an Islanders fan in real life. And he's definitely gone for the smaller guys a little bit in the draft. Nathan um, only has had one draft, so he doesn't really have much of a type that he's shown yet. Ping, pretty similar deal with him. He doesn't exactly have a ton of overlap with the same team. Got a couple Detroit guys, though. Uh, I only have four players, so I'm not one to talk here. Tom, obviously big on the Vegas players. Uh, he's got a few guys in uh, Ottawa's system. No, uh, Buffalo, sorry. Buffalo was the team I was thinking of. So some observations there with how how the teams stack out. And then I'm going to go through these top ten here. One last one. I'm going to give the top ten average again. And I'm going to talk about um, a, a who I think is their quote-unquote stud in their system and a guy who's more of a lottery ticket. So it's stuff I've already talked about, but just kind of for like a recap because it was a lot of information to digest and for me to talk about. So 10th is me. I got a 6.25 rating. That's a hair over third-line player on average. Uh, it's my stud. I don't have one, to be frank. I don't. Johnson Berger is kind of my lottery ticket, a guy who could have a, a pretty good ceiling. Next up is Chris. He's got a 6.15. So once again, hair over a third-line player on average. Uh, Seth Jarvis is going to be the stud for him, and Yaroslav Askarov is going to be his lottery ticket, which is a bit odd because Askarov is his second-best prospect, but his ceiling and floor have, the, the gap between them have widened a bit in my eyes, so I think he's more risky now. Uh, Kevin at 8 with a 6.65. I don't think he has a stud, but I think Matthew Savoy is pretty close, and Savoy is good enough to at least mention here. Uh, I'm going to pick William Dufour as his lottery ticket. Alex is in 7th with a 6.85. He also does not have a stud, but Wolf could be if he if he makes it as a, as a starting goalie. And Noel Gundler is still his lottery ticket for me, even though it looks a little less likely for him. Um, if not him, I think you could pick a guy like Ukapekalukunen or Connor Timmins. Connor Timmins probably would be the, the better pick there, but I, I just want to like Gundler, so we'll see about him. Jared is in sixth with a 7.1 score. His stud is Simon Nemec, and his ladder ticket for me is Nathan Gaucher, especially if he can produce a little more offense. Nathan in fifth with a 7.1. Dylan Cousins is his stud. Ivan Morostachenko is his, is his lottery ticket if his uh, cancer issues are behind him and he can bounce back to where he was supposed to be. Ping is in fourth with a 7.35. Um, Lucas Raymond is his stud. Ryan Merkley is his lottery ticket, and admittedly, I'm not really optimistic about Merkley's chances of being in the NHL long term. So if you want maybe a, a different flavor for a lottery ticket, uh, Carson Lambos, I guess. Uh, in third place, we have Tom with a 7.5 average. Shane Wright is his stud. Brant Clark is his lottery ticket. Barry is in second with a seven, a very respectable 7.9. Mason McTavish is his stud. Sebastian Cosa is his lottery ticket. And lastly, Josh is in first with an 8.1 average. Josh Norris is his stud. Bowen Byram is his lottery ticket. So that's all I have. If you have any questions, feel free to ask. I can try to maybe, maybe be a little more um, helpful for like team-specific 
stuff is supposed to come, go on more of an overview here. So that being said, that's all I have for, uh, for you guys. So we'll wrap it up here. Thank you very much for listening. If you listened all the way through, it's over two hours. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot. So we appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoy it and found some value in this.